Blog Talk Radio. Nowadays, there's a lot of talk about hate crimes. There's an entire body of laws against hate crimes. Everybody seems to be worried about hate. Hate appears to be the gravest problem of our time. But hate is good. Hate gives a structure to our life. Hate gives us a reason to exist, a focus, something to strive for, an identity. Hate is energy, pure energy, provided by Mother Nature herself. Hate enables us to see through lies and pretense, and helps us to concentrate on the essential. Hate is democratic. Even the rich and the powerful cannot hate more than their slaves and subjects. And soon, hate may well be all that we have left. Hate emancipates. Without hate for slavery, you cannot break your shackles. And without hate for injustice, there can be no justice. The greatest achievements of the human race have grown from hate, and from the ability to control hate. Hate separates humans from animals. Animals do not hate, but humans do. Humans can hate for decades, sometimes their entire life. We can even pass hate on to our children and keep hate alive for centuries. Hate is a sign of abstract intellect, for only humans can hate people they have never seen or met, and only humans can hate concepts and processes. How can we know what love is? if we refuse to recognize and understand hate. Love and hate are the two opposite sides of the same coin. Without hate, we are only halflings. In order to be complete, we need hate. Only fools talk endlessly about love, but forget the hate. Hate separates us from the meek and docile masses. Do not fear hate. Do not deny or reject hate. Accept hate. Embrace hate. Learn to know it and learn to use it. Hate is your most powerful weapon, a hidden source of your strength. Do not deny it from you. What the liberal elite fears most in this world is our ability to hate, because our hate will one day be the most revolutionary force on the planet. Our hate will destroy and create empires. Let your name be worthy of you. 
There's a darkness spreading across this land, I know. Ragnarok is looming near, and I don't mind to go. No, I don't mind to go. All the Father says, you never walk outdoors unarmed. Spears and guns in hand, keep your family safe from harm. All things in this life, in time, they wither and burn. Nothing survives this world except the titles that we earn. Honor those that came before, and in turn you'll be kept in mind. Strike well, strike true, and don't hesitate to strike when it's time. We all must pass beyond that sea. Whether you think this is truly the end or you can finally be free We do our best in this life, we fight battles and some we lose I'm Gonna go out swinging on my feet, defending a noble truth There's a darkness spreading across this land we love Ragnarok is coming soon and I don't mind to go No, I don't mind to go As the end draws near you have some choices to make Stick with those you would call kin or you can up and run and break And if I were you I would think long and hard Make sure you're on the right side when they deal those cards As the end draws near You have some choices to make Stand with those you would call kin Or you can up and run and break We all must pass beyond that sea Whether you think this is truly the end Or you can finally be free we do our best in this life we fight battles and some we lose gonna go out swinging on my feet defending a noble truth there's a darkness spreading across this land we know Valhalla is looming near and I don't mind to go no, I don't mind to go Valhalla looming near And I don't mind to go No, I don't mind to go No, I don't mind Welcome to the Resolution Radio Network at ResolutionRDO.com. You are listening to the Sonny Thomas Show, and I'm your host, Sonny Thomas. If you want to call and listen now, it's area code 607-203-5423. That's 607-203-5423. You can find us on various social media. Uh, We're starting to get a pretty good presence, so I, I cannot complain at this particular point. (laughs) 
So uh, definitely no issues there. Uh, we are on Wimkin, Getter, Gab, Twitter, and Telegram at Sunny Thomas Show. And Wimkin, Getter, Gab, and Telegram at Resolution RDO. And on Twitter at Resolution RDO and the number one. So we've been able to uh, get some presence over here and stuff. Um, Twitter has officially changed its logo from the bird to an X, which just underscores uh, Elon Musk's little X empire he's been doing. And actually, Greg Reese from InfoWars did an excellent um, uh, little video feature in that. To, uh, uh, today, actually, I heard it. I was actually like, holy shit, dude. I mean, he was like spot on. So I thought that was actually um, pretty good. It's actually so Elon X and the epitome of a front man. This is from Greg Reese report. So we can actually um, get a pretty good idea of what's going on with Elon Musk and who he is. Elon Musk announced over a year ago that he planned to convert Twitter into an everything app like China's WeChat, an app to do everything, including online banking and finance. Last April, Musk announced that Twitter Incorporated has been renamed to X Corporation. He created a new artificial intelligence company known as X.AI, and he partnered with eToro for stock and crypto exchange. The media would have you believe that Elon Musk is an independent billionaire genius whose dream is to revolutionize banking. But this story is demonstrably false. The facts tell us that Elon Musk is a front man for the same old, same old. But because he says there are only two genders, he has gained the trust of a radicalized people in a time of war without ever having to explain his lies. Musk says he grew up poor but his family was rich with emeralds and had a history of abuse and witchcraft, telltale signs of multi-generational mind control. Musk received tens of thousands of dollars from his parents to launch his first business venture, a digital phone book known as Zip2. Outside coders were hired to write the entire thing because Elon couldn't code. Zip2 sold for millions and went nowhere, but Elon made $22 million and with the help of the mainstream media, launched his new persona as a quirky pop star genius. He then acquired X.com and announced he would create an online bank known as X. He partnered with banking experts who all left the company after accusing Elon of lying to the media about the product, which is all he did. Elon Musk is believed to have co-founded PayPal. This is false. In 2000, Musk sold his failing X.com business to Confinity, a company founded in 1998 by Peter Thiel and Max Levkin. All Musk reportedly did there was insist on changing the company's name to X. He was forced out, but somehow managed to get them to agree in writing to remove all references to founders from the company website. Musk made nearly $200 million off the sale of PayPal, a company that he contributed nothing to, and then used that money, along with the illusion of being a successful businessman co-founder, to buy his way into Tesla. Tesla Motors was founded in 2003 by Mark Tarpening and Martin Eberhard, 
who developed the Tesla Roadster. When Tesla accepted millions from Elon, it came with the condition that he be named chairman of the company. Even though he only contributed money, Musk was unable to hide his anger that the media wasn't giving him credit for Tesla Motors. And after forcing Eberhard out of the company, he rewrote their history to have himself listed as an original co-founder. The obvious fake persona of a billionaire quirky genius has worked so well that few even question SpaceX. The official story is that Elon, who has absolutely no experience with rocket science, came up with the idea for SpaceX while traveling to Russia with the CIA's Michael Griffin of InQtel. Shortly after this conversation, Griffin was made administrator of NASA, where he launched the COTS program that privatized NASA's rocket program and awarded $278 million to SpaceX, who had never made or flown any rockets. Musk then partnered with rocket engineer Tom Mueller, who went on to produce rocket technology that has clearly been developed for years in the private sectors of the military-industrial complex. Elon's companies have received billions in government subsidies over the last two decades, money that was later spent on the purchase of Twitter, where he immediately began the process of turning it into an everything app with its own banking system, or rather, the ruling class cabal that pulls his strings is turning Twitter into an everything app with its own banking system. And that should be alarming, but he says there are only two genders and families are good and people love a hero. They don't need to chip you to control you. We already have iris scanners and palm scanners. A cashless society will do the job. And for many, Elon's X will be preferable to Amazon's palm scanners. The illusion of choice will make your financial enslavement less painful. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. Okay, so I heard that uh, today, actually, and I thought, wow, spot on. And I'll uh, get you a little bit no. So how's this got to do with uh, what our topic is about tonight? Well, many things. Because the fact that um, uh, we see that social media is being warped into something else altogether and being turned into different things. And so in the process of trying to push CBDCs, which are central bank digital currencies, they're going to make it so that it's almost impossible to, be, to use cash much longer. Plus the fact that Jones has hypothesized and Roger Stone has also kind of um, followed up on that, that they are in the process of getting ready Biden because of the fact that he's obviously become such a nink and poop and he's so – he got his hands completely caught in a cookie jar so bad that the major whistleblowers that have come forward, the three from the FBI and the two from the IRS, it clearly showed that there's a major, major cover-up as well as the sweetheart deal that his boy Hunter got in Delaware. Well, guess what? Thanks to the whistleblowers bringing out some obvious content, plus other people uh, that have shown that um, that dumb business dealings with Hunter Biden, it clearly showed he's completely on the on the dole. All goes back to the big guy. It cannot be ignored any longer. So what you're starting to see is you're starting to see them getting ready to shit can Joe Biden. Three things are going to happen. He's either going to be assassinated, which will make him a martyr. Or um, he will he will go out, or he'll conveniently have uh, rumored as a stroke, 
or some health issue, and that'll be his excuse to be able to resign and still uh, just run off to his little house there in, in Wilmington and enjoy the rest of his days, okay? that Once that happens, either way, Hunter has no protection whatsoever, and that's why they're already starting to turn on him now uh, because of the fact that the judge in the Delaware case is clearly going, nah, this this is bullshit. That this, this deal you guys got set up ain't happening. And so basically she's raised some serious questions and basically says, no, I need information for both sides of the court here um, before we go any farther. And basically has basically called him out because she also realized that the DOJ was essentially handling his defense attorneys all the information they needed. And she's like, that ain't happening. Fuck all that shit. So now he's got himself in a little bit of a pickle. So I think they're getting ready to turn the screws on him because of the fact that this guy has probably got more to fuck him up the ass than anything that um, um, Epstein had. So I guarantee you, man, <laughs> uh, this is going to be interesting. However, that being said, the fact that he's gotten this far without uh, getting thrown in the clink uh, says a lot about our our institutions and how much they're completely corrupted. Also, Ron DeSantis has, has eliminated a third of his uh, staff because, obviously, he's not bringing the money. Uh, he's, he's Again, he shot his load, man. Once it came out that he was planning on trying to run for president, people are like, no, nah, dude, this is Trump's time. Your time will be coming. Not only that, but I, I've even said, dude, you pulled a Kasich on the people of Florida. You asked the people of Florida to elect you a second time. He had a huge windfall election. And then no sooner after you get in there, you're already making a, a passing shit. Basically says, oh, I can still be governor and run for president. What? You mean, first of all, there was no provision already put there? That's actually one thing that I wanted to push for here in Ohio, that if you're a sitting governor, you cannot run for higher office. You know, you cannot run for Senate. You cannot run for president. Now, that being said, if you're approached by a presidential candidate and they want you to run as their VP, that's different because you're kind of being drafted. Okay, you that that is a flexible option, but for you to actively go, okay, cool, I've hurried up, got my shit in six months after I got my second uh, my second uh, term in, I'm gonna plan for run for president. Well, that's bullshit. To to me, that is a slap in the face to all the voters in that state. So that's again, that's a situation that needs to be addressed. So why am I bringing this up? Because the more and more we're seeing how the apparatchik is trying to turn the screws on anything, and the DOJ is going to anything right wing, that means also us, us that don't follow Christianity, those that follow our own past, especially those of us that are in the heathen as a true background and uh, believe in our folk, our legends, and our heroes that made us who we are, and going back to our homelands and really finding out our, our, where our DNA comes from, as well as the things that made us who we are as a people. And all that other jazz. So that's a whole other be addressed. So, again, um, we need to really, really seriously consider here the plans that they are pushing for, which is Agenda 2030, and how they are wrapping, they are ratcheting all this stuff up and starting with, uh, there is a very good possibility, as Roger Stone is pointing out, as well as Alex Jones, that there's a very good possibility that they're going to start pulling on us in the presidency what the British do with the prime ministers. In other words, conveniently enough, usurper Biden actually uh, gets shit-canned in some way, uh, shape, or form. So basically he either gets taken out or he resigns or even gets, again, dies or assassinated. 
and then Camel Toe gets in. Never know, she's like the worst fucking VP that you can ever fucking imagine, okay? Al Gore would have been a much better choice than this. this. Dude, she doesn't belong in the White House. She belongs in a whorehouse, and she's too stupid to be the madam, okay? That's just get it out there. Secondly, what she'll probably do is she's going to obviously point a vice president. She has two choices. In this particular situation, she could actually push for Big Mike, which is Michelle Obama. And she claims she don't want nothing to do with it. Blah, blah, blah. Plus, it's got a book called Becoming. So I think she's trying to, trying to brag, and she's basically letting out that she is a tranny. Okay? We know the kids are rented. We've actually found the original parents whose bloodline goes to those kids. Because you don't see any pictures of Michelle pregnant. You don't see pictures of Obama holding the girls in swaddling clothes. None of that shit. Ted Nugent's brought that up very succinctly recently. And it's like, you don't see anything on this guy because he's a phony. He's a complete fabrication. He's, a, you know, his whole damn family are spooks. So they're all connected to the CIA. So why wouldn't they come up with a fraudulent identity for this usurper? So that's a whole other issue. But then what they'll do is, if they don't get Big Mike, then they'll get good old Mr. Quaffin's perfect smiley teeth, Gavin Newsom from California. And then that fucker will get in there, and it's going to be really interesting. So again, I have to double-check the criteria on that, what happens when you actually have a change of power like that. I'm assuming they finish that person's term. They don't start a whole other term. And the reason why I say this is because a prime example, like Wayne McKinley and his VP was Theodore Roosevelt. McKinley gets assassinated. Roosevelt becomes president, finishes out McKinley's term, campaign for one term, okay? And then uh, he decided not to run for another term. Then he, he kind of pushed Taft in there. Taft turned out to be a complete disappointment, so he decided to run, and he ran against Wilson. And unfortunately, he ran on the bull, uh, the bully pulpit party or whatever it is and uh, lost uh, various Stanley. So if he had decided to run, I do believe he's allowed two full terms, regardless if he's finishing off a, a no term from uh, a successor who was assassinated. So, again, even if they do all these transitions around, I think when it comes November of, uh, of 2024 and the president's election go through, it doesn't matter who's in that office. Whoever got elected is the one that comes in. But, again, they've already stolen two elections from us. They may pull some other shit, too. So that's a whole other question to be, to be concerned about. But, anyways, we haven't seen Ragnarok yet, but we actually heard some of it. <laughs> so the opening song tonight was Ragnarok. And I'm trying to pronounce this correctly. Uh, his name is uh, Grantavius Verun. So, and again, if I slaughter the name, I'm sorry, sorry, dude, but I haven't actually heard it once or twice. So I can actually ingrain it into my brain, you know. But uh, uh, I heard this on a website called folkfm.us, and I was like, wow, that's a good song, man. I like it. Good lyrics, just a simple acoustic jam, and and I loved it. So. Uh, this past week on Tuesday, I was on the uh, Folk MDS broadcast, and uh, Oldenson is the host of his uh, his regular program that he has. And again, he's got some pretty good shit. I definitely encourage you to go to folkfm.us, and you'll be able to um, listen to some really good music, by the way as well as some other programs that are featured on the website. 
And again, my, my computer on this particular situation runs really slow. So bear with me here. I'm trying to get this thing to scroll. But he has uh, he has some hosts that are featured on here, as well as, generally speaking, uh, music for the folk. So he features a lot of uh, traditional stuff and, of course, a lot of the uh, newer uh, songs that are out there. Um, so you're going to hear, like, a lot of Wardruna, Heilung, uh, Talia is one, as well as, of course, uh, Saga. You will hear uh, some Saga on there as well. So um, he's actually got some really good stuff on there um, as well. So Faith, Family, and Folk is the name of his broadcast. And so I was featured on it this week, and it also it aired Tuesday and is re-airing today. So, again, there's a lot of good stuff on this uh, particular network. I, I like a lot of his layout. And he has a lot of stuff on here that's actually really good. But the more importantly is we got someone in the Focus community who uh, is really, really into what they do and has also had guests on his program where they talk about a lot of the logistics as well as um, getting ideas to help promote it, but also making sure that their, their particular organization is safe from infiltrators and other people that would want to do them harm to either to the group or individuals. So Bolt Oldenson is the Godian Hearth, uh, Hearth God, <clears throat> excuse me, Hearth Guardian of the Fettered Folk Hearth in Tejas. He also sits on the Court of Golar inside the Folks Alliance there in Texas. And um, the websites to check out are thefetteredfolkhearth.com, folkbook.us, and of course folkfmus. So some very good stuff on those uh, on those websites. And again, uh, we had a very good conversation on his program from my perspective, talking a lot about politics, uh, our faith, as well as um, how to blend them together, as well as things to be aware of um, when it comes to uh, protecting what belongs to us. So again, that's why I titled tonight's show, uh, Blood of My Folk, Blood of Our Legacy, because of the fact that we all have our families and we have to protect our families. And there's all different kinds of families. And so, when especially it comes to direct bloodline, that is the first thing on the list. Then we have our our actual family or our folk, which is our community, and these are our friends, our neighbors, our fellow countrymen in many cases. Those are the ones that we have to look out for and to work with, just like the blacks did back in the 50s before they got stirred up and got all uppity because of the civil rights movements. Blacks are much better off in the 50s than they ever were since because they took out the father figure and replaced it with the government kid. So that's a whole other issue in itself. But we as, a, as whites need to embrace the heroes and legends and the blood and the soil that made us who we are. Because you could take us out of Deutschland. You could take us out of Poland. You could take us out of France. You could take us out of Sweden. You could take us out of Scotland. It doesn't matter. It's always going to be in your DNA. And most importantly, whenever possible, we need to preserve that DNA. But more importantly, as I've mentioned on the show many times, unfortunately, our populations have been allowed to dwindle down through various social engineering. And that's their excuse to bring in all these immigrants uh, from all the dark countries, to bring them in to, to regenerate population, which many cases, some have been there for 20, 30 years and never worked a day in their life because they're on the dole, because they're... They're feeding off the backs of us doing all the work. 
So I don't care if you talk about general socialist construct. I don't understand if you're talking about the state or just our actual folk groups. We have to have a unity. We have to have speak as one voice and especially whites. We have to have solid representation. I myself, the last two terms in my GOP Central Committee, ran as an open pagan, as a heathen, and pro-white, because majority of my constituency are whites. Now, I've met some of my constituents that aren't white, and they're good folks. I met them. But I've also told them specifically, just because I'm pro-white, that doesn't mean I'm not going to you know, look down on you. But if the main host population doesn't sustain itself, there's nothing I can do for you because we've lost the apparatus. See, that's the whole thing. We have to have people to openly stand up and say, I am proud to be white. I am proud to follow the gods of my ancestors. And and quite frankly, you know, if you want to have the various uh, emblems, whether you wear it in necklace form or you wear it as ink on your skin, whether it's the Volknut, whether it's the Molnir, whatever the case may be, Tiarun, whatever, proud of that. When people ask you questions, and usually they're going to make judgments out of ignorance, educate them. Don't be like a Christian get all pissed off about it. Say, oh, man, what is that inverted cross you're wearing? <laughs> I don't follow Satan, dude. That's, the, that's what dumb motherfuckers do. No, I follow the gods of my folk. And, and in my particular case, I'm uh, Nordic Germanic, more Germanic than anything else. But the bottom line is these are the ancestors of my gods, you know, gods of my ancestors. So in my particular situation, I want to go back even farther than that. I want to go back to the gods that my folk had actually worshipped in the time of the Romans when we fought off the Romans coming across the Rhine. I want to go as far back as that. But until then, I am more more than happy to follow my Germanic roots of Nordic Germanic heathenism because of the fact that a lot of that bloodline is infused into our DNA now. Because the Vikings that come into Central Europe. So again, these are things to be proud of. And with the DNA test stuff that's coming on, some people think they're of one particular country and find out, oh no, you're not German, you're Scottish. Or no, you're not Polish, you're Irish. I mean, that's the whole thing. And then I encourage people before it's gone, go back to your homelands. Go back to the villages that, that your family came from. And follow that path back. Find out everything in the history of that place because you'd be surprised who you might be connected to. And more importantly, uh, the duty that you may have to take on yourself. Because look at the time of the Romans. Why did they pick Brutus to make sure he led the, the revolt against Caesar? Because his ancestor, it was a Brutus that evicted Tarquinius from Rome. So it was a Brutus that actually exiled Tarquinius, the last king of Rome, out of there. So just by symbolic issue, Brutus must wield the knife. And there's a lot of evidence to say that actually Brutus might have actually been the son of Julius Caesar because Servilia was his, his most devout lover. He actually was – he loved Servilia, okay? So – and they messed around a lot. But, I mean, the point is, there's a very good possibility Brutus may have actually been his blood son. And, obviously, the betrayal when he realized that he's being stabbed by Brutus. But, again, uh, when it comes to people thinking that they're tyrants, there's some people that have historical bloodlines. And they go, dude, 
your ancestor did this. You know, the Romans always looked to the past because when people made names for themselves back then, they cast a long shadow. That's why a lot of these pop stars and actors, many of them have to follow a lot of the same thing and, of course, always be judged. But many of them actually have very successful careers in their own right, regardless of their bloodline. As big as Kirk Douglas was as a movie star, in many ways, I think Michael Douglas might have done a little bit better or he did just as good. Okay, There's many of artists out there have been generational. I mean, look at um, the Carradines. Carradines are at least, what, three generations? So, I mean, you know, again, they brought us a lot of entertainment. But, again, there are those that are founding stock of this country. And their great, their grandsons and great grandsons fought in the Civil War because they were diehard patriots and fought for their countries, which was their states. So I'm going to bring on both Odinson to let let you talk about his background, his awakening, and what made him who he was today, and where he wants to go as far as uh, his beliefs, his stances, as well as his program, for example. But I want to get his take on what makes him tick, aha moment, and where he sees us as a people in the future, because I think that really matters. And I've had a lot of heathens on here over the years that give us very interesting backgrounds of where of how they have their aha moments and when they realize, wow, dude, when you intend your first bloat and you realize the lightning just hits you on the head and it wasn't Zeus throwing a lightning bolt. Or Thor, <laughs> you realize there's something there, something truly spiritual that I've never felt in the Catholic Church. But when I attended my first bloat, I was like, "Holy shit!" It was like it was like a guy taking your first set of cocaine or something. Uh, you're just like, "Wow, cool! I gotta get some of that." So again, I think many of us have had different degrees of awareness or inspiration. But I'm dying to hear his um, particular take on it. So we will be back with Bolt right after these brief messages. Listen, do you hear that sound? It started low, but it's getting progressively louder. Into a crescendo, even louder. Irresistible, ending in an ear-splitting blast of mass disruption. That's the sound of America's economic and political systems crashing through the ground. But we have a plan. We will be ready to restore political sanity. We will be ready to answer the call of productive America. We will restore America's industrial base and put America back to work. We will shut down political correctness and restore decency and positive media to America. We will save our constitution, our traditional way of life, our customs, and religion. We will restore sound money and crush the debt-based system of monetary slavery. And we will end America's foreign misadventures. We are the American Freedom Party, and we have a plan. Learn more about us, the American Freedom Party, dot U.S. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest price filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, Get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. 
By now you know that wireless technology like cell phones do in fact pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Flocket Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. Flocketpocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at Flocketpocket.com or call 888-315-9618. Flocketpocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. You're listening to Resolution Radio at ResolutionRDO.com. You're listening to the St. Thomas Show on the Resolution Radio Network. want to fix America's police and take the country back in the process? If you answered yes, then CSPOA needs you. CSPOA.org, the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, is an organization comprised of citizens, sheriffs, police, and other government officials. We are taking America back, sheriff by sheriff, county by county, and state by state. And we need you. Over 300 sheriffs constitutionally trained. We teach public servants the Constitution and need your help. Become a part of the solution today at CSPOA.org. Are you prepared to bug out? Infidel Body Armor and an Army Ranger have produced a high-speed DVD and book to show you how to drive in combat, patrol, and how to survive in combat. Skills you'll need when it hits the fan. Go to DrivenDVD.com. DrivenDVD.com. You've made a serious investment in protecting yourself and your family. You've purchased the gun, the ammunition, the training, and even secured a license to carry in your state. You know the Constitution and don't believe you should have to pay for a right that you already have, as written in the Second Amendment, but you are law-abiding. Now you are considering the legal defense options you should have if you ever have to use a firearm. Self-Defense Fund is a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs, and more, up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney costs per member. Discover SelfDefenseFund.com for yourself, any weapon, any state, any time. All right, welcome back to the Resolution Radio Network or ResolutionRDO.com. You are listening to the Sunny Thomas Show, and I am your host, Sonny Thomas. If you want to call in or listen out, it's area code 607-203-5423. It's area code 607-203-5423. All right, so uh, my guest is uh, first on this program, um, but obviously was, I was on his program this week as well. We covered a lot of bases um, on a myriad of topics on his program. And if you want to check it out, you can go to folkfm.us. I encourage you to check it out. There's various programs on there, as well as excellent, excellent selection of music, especially if you were into the more of the uh, the heathen world type of music. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff on there. And every now and then, a little curveball, like Saga or something like that. So, dang, some good stuff. Um, my biggest thing is, it's actually um, hard to find some of these channels that actually have uh, music like this. You might be able to find some playlists on uh, YouTube music or I don't like uh, Pandora at all because you go like, okay, I want to play Judas Priest, and then it plays everything but Judas Priest after that. You know, it plays all this other crap. It's like, dude, 
at least with YouTube music, if I put it, okay, I'm going to hear Judas Priest Painkiller, cool. Then I'll play a bunch of other songs similar to that particular vein or whatever, or even stuff that I like. And then, but it'll still show a Judas Priest song, maybe every five, six songs down the road. Every now and then I might even have two of them back to back. So um, I like that. So there's a lot of good music out there, like Wardruna, High Lung, and Denheim and stuff. So there's a lot of good shit. And so on folkfm.us, when you actually listen to music, there's a lot of good a variety of music on there from different artists. Again, some I listened to it today and found some artists that he had played uh, that I was like, wow, like this uh, Talia or whatever, to do an excellent version of Metallica's Nothing Else Matters. I was like, holy shit, man, this is really fucking cool. So I quickly looked up on YouTube Music, clicked on like, boom, added it to my rotation. So yeah, I absolutely enjoyed that. So I'm really uh, glad that someone out there takes the time to actually go out and uh, program a lot of this music. Again, there's a lot of other music out there that also speaks to us uh, as a people, uh, especially against other ideologies such as rock against communism. So again, uh, and communism is coming in all different sorts of forms, ladies and gentlemen. It's not just, you know, rooskies in bearskin hats uh, uh, with Stalin pictures in the background, okay? It's, it's all over the place. And one of the biggest concentrations of it is the Democratic Party. But anyways, that being said, this is where we need to really have an awakening for our people, and we start with finding like-minded individuals that uh, believe in the old ways and the gods and look at the things that made us who we are as a people. And not to mention looking at our, our sacred texts, reading the Eddas and the sagas to really understand uh, what's going on. And what I like about this is when you go to a bloat, um, it's completely organic. So you're never going to see the same thing twice. Unlike going to a Catholic church, you go to a Catholic church, it's the same freaking mass, same readings, all that stuff. It's boring as hell. Whereas you go to uh, an Azatru or a heathen bloat, it get it depends. Some people are more into more casual stuff. They just like the camaraderie, uh, uh, hailing the gods, invoking them, um, maybe fo- figured, focusing on the actual seasons, per se. Others are full hardcore into it. They're into full battle regular. Uh, I mean, complete fire rings. I mean, it's like a festival, dude. So it just depends on the various degrees on how these people want to do things. Some people can recite it from the heart. Others read it verbatim from the text. So, again, all different styles, all different aptitudes. But either way, um, I guarantee you, if you go to a bloat that's properly done, you will have a, a, a spark of the divine hit you. Because I know when I hit my first one, I was like, oh, Finally, I found something, and uh, I was very glad to follow that path, and I found many other individuals that have followed that way as well, and um, for some of them, it, it, is, it is a lifestyle. It's a livelihood, and also, it is the life. Welcome to the Science Thomas Show. Hey, also, Kinsman. Can you hear me? Hi, sir. I can. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I, I would like to uh, say that I appreciate the opportunity to come on uh, to Resolution Radio and give me a chance to talk about our faith. So uh, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Um, uh, definitely. So, and, and again, I, I saw the people that are um, associated with you are also uh, fans of your program or also been featured on your programs as well. So looking forward to hearing their positions on your programs like the – the one that I listened to recently, you had a, uh, a member on there, and you guys were talking about security issues and stuff um, to be able to protect your group as a whole. And uh, I, I totally resonate with that because I've, 
I've spoken at many different groups um, over the years or have been brought in as a, as a comrade or an affiliate in many different ways because they, they trust me because I'm not out to get them. But the same thing is I see how they have uh, vetting processes. Uh, some making sure actually, you know, physical arms are available if necessary uh, for some of these national meetings, uh, all sorts of stuff. So you, you can't not take security um, with a grain of salt. You really need to consider it in your daily planner when you're having meets. Because there's always, you know, some, there's always some Antifa asshole might want to show up and just be a dick, you know. It's, just, it's always something. But what I like to know about your particular situation is um, I want to get a little bit more on your background. Uh, just generally who you are as an individual, um, maybe some things that uh, uh, helped shape you as an individual through your life. And then when all of a sudden you had your personal awakening, when you realize that, wow, I finally found a path that I wish to choose on. And, it, you know, in your case, was it when you looked up some of your family ancestry? Uh, was it, um, you know, someone else introduced you to it? Or did you just go, well, maybe I was raised a Christian in some way and it, it just never did anything for me. But when you actually come across this path, you're like, oh, dude, this is what I've always been looking for, kind of like I did. So let's get this issue on yourself, brother. So, uh, yes, uh, my name is Bolt Odinson. Uh, I'm Gothi and Hearth Guardian of the Federfolk Hearth. Um, I also sit on the, the Court of Gothar inside the Folkish Alliance itself, which is uh, made up of a few kindreds and a large number of independent folkish individuals of our faith. Um, the, uh, the Federfolk Hearth is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, a religious organization. We also have a volunteer outreach program for individuals who are incarcerated. Um, we have built uh, with our own hands, mind you, two sacred groves. Um, the first one is named the Asgardian Garden, and then the second one is Odin's Orchard. Uh, we nice. as a community – we, we as a community, um, the, the Focus Alliance community, we, uh, we hold about four or five gatherings a year, and these gatherings are, uh, are usually public. Um, we might have one of these uh, gatherings which are closed off to the public, uh, which is just for uh, sworn members or very, very close individuals uh, of the community who have been very consistent. So it's a more personal uh, um, environment for that. Um, we've been consistently doing this for over five years now. Um, the the Fitterfolk Hearth itself was established in 2012, so almost 12 years ago. Um, the Focus Alliance was established here in here more recently in 2019, and mm -hmm. the this was created because of the situation with uh, <laughs> me and my my better half actually, Kristen. We we found ourselves in different kindreds, um, but we were in a relationship with one another. Right, so but mm -hmm. we uh, we were sworn members of two different kindreds, so this kind of gave the environment to uh, uh, we created this environment so many kindreds giving them the independence that they want um, and the ability to maintain their their history. All of their hard work and accomplishments was to keep intact, as well as the um, it gives them the option and opportunity to actually gather with um, here at the Asgardian Gardens, giving them a sacred grove to show devotion to and, and uh, practice our faith. And it also gives them the support and experience of other kindreds as well. So we uh, created these two uh, uh, entities. You know, uh, one is actually a 501c3, as I said, and 
uh, the other one is uh, just a, a, an um, umbrella entity for uh, other kindreds to uh, gather under and to uh, show unity and support. You know, there's some kindreds out there in communities, organizations, whatever you want to call them, and they uh, they they act on a more solitude uh, playing field. They don't really accept other individuals coming into their fold if they're not serious about actually uh, becoming a sworn member of their kindred. And I just don't think that uh, that's beneficial for our, our faith. And a lot of the mm-hmm. decisions I make, a lot of the decisions I make is based on the faith as a whole. You know, um, the kindred comes first, of course, in terms of, of attention and uh, loyal uh, level of loyalty and frith. But uh, there's different levels and layers of frith and peace and loyalty. And uh, the, the first one is to oneself and then the, the in immediate family, the kindred, and so forth. It's like a ripple effect in a pond. You throw a, pe- a pebble in a pond and you have the ripples, right? And the epicenter of such contact is should be yourself and your family. And then ripple effects go out and further and further along all the way to nature itself. So totally agree. Um, totally agree. But that's uh, that's a little bit of a background of, uh, about myself. Uh, I've been doing this for 15, almost 16 years now. Um, the kindred, my personal kindred, has been around for 12 years. But we just now started opening our events to the public five years ago, and since then we've been consistent, as I said, with four or five events, uh, which are public to uh, the individuals of our focus community. Um, I will stress folkish community. Uh, we don't really um, recognize or partake in any of the universalistic ideologies. Uh, we stay away from that. Um, that's just not our cup of tea that, or our interpretation on how our faith is lived. So, but that's a, a little background about myself, and uh, I'm just excited. I was listening to your your commercials and all that stuff. I, yeah, I have. Uh, my own little radio station as well, but I don't. I'm not as advanced as you. you've been doing this for quite some time. You got commercials and all kinds of stuff, but it's not as uh, advanced over at the Folk FM. <laughs> no, but I, I, I like how your format is. I like how, how your uh, your website's actually formatted too. Like I said, I'll, sometime later, I like to uh, pick your brain on that because I like to look at something like that myself. I had uh, actually a pirate station for a while. I got inspired from a buddy of mine. And um, we would play like Alex Jones during the day, and then I play a music mix at night. And it was pretty cool because I would, um, uh, of course, play all album cuts. I don't do no radio friendly unit shifters, man. I played album oriented rock, so to speak, you know. So if it was the original album version and it's got colorful metaphors, so be it. Because I'm a big believer of uh, freedom of speech. That being said, that would also feature my show uh, when it aired as well, and then um, aired again the next day. So I had an opportunity for people to hear my particular viewpoints that uh, terrestrially that may not only heard on uh, on the internet. So at least some local people got to hear some of my stuff. Again, I've I've come across some interesting individuals in my travels uh, in in politics and stuff. And 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 many times I was the sole nay vote uh, when I was in the central committee uh, because I don't do rubber stamping and all that other shit. You know, like I said, I have a fairly firm set of principles. And um, a good solid political ideology, and I don't follow neocon shit, and and I never genuflect to Israel. If it was me, I would agree with the Palestinians. Let's just wipe that shit off the map because they, that's stolen land, you know. So, but again, as a non-interventionist, 
that's not my issue. I don't get involved in other people's squabbles, you know, but don't come in right. my yard, piss in my yard. Cause I'll cut your dick off. I mean, that's my basic attitude is that, you know, I'm the first to help someone out, but you, you do me wrong. I don't give a damn what happens to you afterwards, you know, because, and that's right. the problem with a lot of our folks. A lot of people try to take advantage of somebody or step on someone's back to get a better view or whatever the case may be, just to advantage, uh, to take advantage of them. So how are they any different than the minorities that exploit whites to get to where they're at? You know, with the Supreme Court striking down affirmative action in the universities is long overdue. Obama would have never gotten anywhere if it wasn't for affirmative action. Some of those judges that sit on those benches wouldn't have gone anywhere if it wasn't for affirmative action. You know, it should be on your own merit. I don't give a damn what your blood, your, your, your skin color is or your bloodline. If you bust your ass and do the dedication and you do the work and you're a person of principle, then you should be able to succeed at some point. You know, your, your own uh, toil and, and blood, sweat, and tears will take you far, you know. But don't, don't use it as a shoehorn to get someone in just because you're a particular background. It's BS, especially at the cost right. of us, the white men, the actual founders of this country. So my biggest thing is, is that more and more of us start to become awake, not woke, but awake, because we're starting to realize a lot of where we came from. Maybe we're sitting down with relatives who talk about, you know, it could be a immediate ancestor, could have been a grandparent, great-grandparent, uh, found out a lot of information about them we didn't know. Uh, what were they into? Uh, are they Were they direct immigrants from here, or are they part of a generation of immigrants that came here, you know? Are they connected in American history somehow? I mean, these are the things we love to find about our ancestors because, in fact, they might realize that someone in our family line might have actually did something and made a name for themselves. You know, it's kind of like uh, the opening scene of Troy when uh, uh, Agamemnon was basically telling the other guys, like, look, let's do it the old way. My best warrior against your best warrior. That way we don't have the waste of slaughtering of thousands here. You know? And he sends a kid like, oh, like, man, he's the biggest fan I've ever seen. I wouldn't want to fight him. He's like, that's why no one will remember your name, you know? And that's a very poignant point because when we're all said and gone, how are we going to remember? You know, what is our legacy? And I think right. that's the thing we need to consider. All of our ancestors made, in many cases, made very calculated decisions that led to you being here today. And in many of those situations, you, which a lot of people don't seem to remember is they betrayed a country to come to this one. Whether it was religious persecution, economic strife, uh, or even things that were completely out of their, their, uh, their, their, their hold, such as a war or something like that, and they just want to get away from it. People had to leave that country, that blood and that soil left behind to come here. You know, at the same right. stroke, many of our people come here because of the fact that we are adventurers, that we're conquerors, that we're settlers and we're farmers. We came here to try to find a better life for our future folk. So, again, it, it's a trade-off. But that being said, right. we should never, ever forget the decisions that our ancestors made to bring us here. And, and I'm sure you've brought, you may have had this conversation with members of your family or even members within your kindred because they realized, man, you know. My grandpappy came here and did this, or, man, my great-grandpappy did this and did that. So, I mean, or my great-grandmother showed me how to make this recipe before she died. I mean, something as simple as sharing of our family um, secrets. You know, it could be recipes, 
could be little little knickknacks that actually mean something to somebody. I mean, I don't know how you set up your altar, but I know a lot of people do their altars where they they have personal items maybe from past family members that are, that have left us that are already in Valhalla, and so it means more to them when they do the prayers and the invocations because of the fact that they actually have stuff of their ancestors there. So when they invoke them and say, oh, you know, such and such, or my, my ancestors, you know, come to me, guide me, help me, show me where I need to go. Because I do believe, especially during Samhain, they do hear us. That when you get right. that, 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 that thin membrane between the living and the dead, especially at that time, our ancestors do hear us both. And we're to let them know I that agree. they are Absolutely. never forgotten. And, they will and I'm, never glad, be I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad you brought yeah. that up because uh, there's a lot of things that you know we, we're trying to do over here in our uh, community. Um, some services that we give back to the community. Um, one of those is is opening up our sacred grove to uh, focus individuals. You know, giving a background check, of course. And uh, we do a lot of things that we we help to uh, promote and further our faith. Um, as I said, uh, opening our sacred grove to the public, um, uh, opening uh, and creating this uh, folk FM and trying to be able to reach more people, uh, individuals of our faith, uh, to deliver the educate and to uh, deliver the message so that they might understand. Um, and we've had uh, a lot of things that have transpired over the course of our creation of our kindred in our community. Um, we've made mistakes. Uh, we've uh, uh, try to not make the same mistakes twice, of course, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna misstep. We're gonna have uh, setbacks. We're gonna have our challenges, our obstacles, which make us stronger uh, and more intelligent, more wise. But we have uh, some things that we try to offer. Uh, you talked about the uh, our ancestors and, and and the the gods of our folk, and we one of the things that we had we had uh, we've offer uh, a rites of passage. Uh, we, which we have just now kicked off here recently this year um, within our nonprofit corporation. Um, we had a, a member of our kindred who was uh, unfortunately killed on a motorcycle here recently. His wife had control over the uh, the process, you know, uh, but his mother, who wasn't of our faith, um, she caused problems. She accused the marriage of as illegitimate. <laughs> Forged papers. She forged yeah. papers after the after the death to have evidence to back what she was trying to do, which is and want to do, which was to have him buried instead of cremated. Right. Um, not to mention myself, uh, myself, Robert, Anna, and probably Tommy, which is uh, three individuals of our of our Federfolk Hearth kindred, who was supposed to travel down there to our kinsmen and perform his last rites of passage upon death. However, because of the family drama, the charges being talked about, right, <laughs> we were unable to perform his last wishes. Um, so at one of our events here recently uh, this year, I think it was midsummer, we had a, a notary public pr present. Uh, we had documents drawn up and uh, was looked over by a lawyer, and those, were, those who were interested, um, they could give responsibility to the nonprofit corporation, the Federfolk Hearth. Uh, to make sure uh, their, relig their religious rites and their last rites were performed. So that was, a, a, I think, a real big step. Uh, it, it just speaks about the volumes of trust and commitment that we have. Now, we had about 15, 20 uh, people sign up for this uh, uh, service. You know, uh, if upon their death, um, 
we would have we would step in as a nonprofit corporation and make sure that their last wishes is uh, enacted. And it, it's a ritual um, that one would perform on the body before it's cremated um, to hollow the area, to sanctify the area, and we would wash the body, wash the hair, comb the hair, clip the nails and the hand, uh, clip the nails of the hand and foot. We would collect the nails and destroy them. We would clothe the individual and place shoes upon their feet, which are imbued with runic galder for their travels along the hell road. You know, this is the ritual that we perform, and a lot of people who are serious about this faith, uh, they would like to think that you know their family wouldn't get involved uh, and deny them the wishes that – but uh, we just saw it happen here recently, and it was very unfortunate. It, pretty, it upset me pretty good, but uh, something good came out of it, um, if you could say that, but we have – put into motion that hopefully that this won't happen again, especially for the members of our kindred. And one of the things that we have going on, um, which is, I think, amazing, and I, uh, I think this is really going to be a powerful um, service for those, but we have uh, just here delivered at the Asgardian Garden uh, the folk stones. We're calling them the folk stones, and you talked about the ancestors and the importance of our history. Um, we've named these two giant stones. I mean, these things weigh 7.299 tons. That's about 15,000 pounds, 7,500 each stone, okay? Um, what we plan to do with these rocks, we aim to shape them as a community. We're going to smooth them, and then we're going to raise them and stand them up. These rocks are going to stand about seven feet high out of the ground. I'm about four feet, maybe three feet, four foot wide uh, once we get done shaping them. And once they are shaped, smoothed, and raised, we will drill holes in the back of these rune stones and place wooden tubes filled with the ashes of our fallen kinsmen and women of our community. Um, nice. And we, we will have um, etched into stone with runic inscribes the names of the individual whose the ashes belong to. And uh, Jamie Jorgensen donated the ashes of David Lane, Bob Matthews, and Gary Yarbrough some, uh, so that they, too, can be directly connected with uh, our sacred ground of this community. No, and that alone, gives, that alone gives me great honor to know that someone oh. would entrust the ashes of their family, friends, and loved ones um, to, to make that commitment so that our ashes are sealed into this runestone. This runestone, um, it's going to take – it's going to be – it was difficult to get here, first of all. And once we cement it into the earth, it will be here to stay, I hope. And it will be here long after we're gone with the ashes of our kinsmen and women with a direct connection to our sacred grove. And it's just a beautiful thought in my mind. Not only that, but you're talking about mixing the ashes of not only uh, political leaders, but spiritual ones, too. I mean, you know, David Lane's a major, major thing. He gave us the, both versions of the 14 words. And so a lot of us really live um, by that mantra. And uh, if not, we should. Matter of fact, I was actually trying to introduce that uh, into my GOP uh, during one of my speeches. And I, was, I actually recited it once and uh, just said specifically, you know, and uh I, you know, a lot of these 
and I want gentlemen, I, I want to be sounding nasty, but it's all these dumbass Christians always turn the other cheek when when strife comes across. I mean, Christianity by itself is a passive religion and philosophy. Okay, we don't look at it that way. We need to look at that. But you you come uh, knocking on my door looking for trouble, and we would. The only thing that's holding us up is how we're going to get you. Are we going to skew you with the uh, with a broadsword? Are we going to skew you with a battle axe? Or am I just going to do death by a thousand cuts? I mean, I mean, I just some of those guys actually have a fun. Just think about that. Uh, or just go more <laughs> modern that ways and just you know take a twelve gauge and be done with you. But the thing is, we really need to start uh, making serious efforts to protect ourselves as well as our legacy because with the shit going on the border right now, Bolt. Especially in your neighborhood, you got all these illegals oh, yeah. coming in, and the government <laughs> just letting them run loose, and they're just running out all over the place. And I've heard stories for years. Um, well, we, some of the atrocities yeah, that happens to local residents and stuff, as well as onto their their properties, uh, how their livestock's affected, um, fencing's destroyed, all sorts of shenanigans. And the biggest problem that I see is, especially with the uh, the good thing is with the Sound of Freedom film. It's really finally broke, broken the egg open on the child sex trafficking rings that are going on all over the world, and a lot of it's centered in the United States. So you all have to realize that at any given moment, you could be out somewhere, and then all of a sudden, your small child is poof, gone. I mean, all it takes is a split second. I mean, I'll give you a prime example. Here in the Dayton area in 1985 at the Dayton Mall, at a J.C. Penney, there was a lady um, – and I can't remember if it was a single mom it was if it was still a couple. Uh, they had, I think, two kids or something like that. Well, the youngest one um, just kind of disappeared. Nobody know where the hell happened to her, okay? And they started looking around. Well, all of a sudden they realized, shit, I can't find my kid. They heard up, called, got an attendant. They called the manager, and they were able to quickly lock down the store. So they're able to lock the doors and close the gate going to the shopping mall itself, right? It's a good thing they did because just as they locked the doors, the actual main doors to go through, someone was coming walking through carrying a kid, what they thought was a little boy. Turns out it was the little girl. They had managed I was that close to getting out the door with her. I mean, that close. Talking by the time they locked the door and had someone there, they were maybe 30 paces from that door. They were that close to abducting that child. They had cut all of her long hair off, put a ball cap on her, had drugged her, and made it look like the child was sick, and it was trying to get this little boy out. But the, the key thing it didn't do was it didn't change her shoes. She had girl shoes on still. And so that's how they nailed them, okay? That was 1985. They've got all sorts wow. of elaborate schemes on how they try to grab kids nowadays especially when you're not paying attention to these things. So especially we as folk, we need to make sure that we always, always have our eyes on our children because of the fact that every moment we go out into the world, they're in danger. And so especially our men folk. I saw an excellent right, video absolutely. that talked to this guy, and he's talking about, well, he talked, they talked to this convicted predator. I said, well, what do you look for when you go look for a victim? He's like, well, I look to see if they have a father. And then if I do, I look to see if they're really around or if they're really engaged. If it looks like they're engaged or they notice me, I, I just I leave it alone because obviously he's a protector. But if I know there's right. a single family with no father or the father's never around, then I'm going to be more likely to try to get into that situation, take advantage of that, and get that kid. 
So it said basically be a threat. So when you look around right. and, and you see someone looking at your kid more than a few seconds, you look at them and let them know, I see you. I'm looking right at you. And you look at them like, right. man, you, you got, you're basically a, a snarling wolf that you're going to go and bite that fucker's head off if they even look at your kid another split second. That's the mentality I'm glad, we have I'm, to have I'm glad, because our yeah. kids are in danger every moment of every day. So, again, um, we we have to protect our children because they are our legacy. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because you talked about earlier about the security that we've, we've, we've put into effect uh, to help alleviate some of the uh, the problems that one might have, and it's a big problem. Um, trying to keep um, the security, the safety, the environment of the kindred and the community as Guardian Gardens, the Odin's Orchard, um, to keep the environment safe for our women, our children, even our men um, in, in certain areas and aspects of it. And uh, we use several different platforms, you know, uh, at, at one point in time, early on in our, our, uh, you know, the, the the stages of our growth, early on we only used one platform, and we used we sticked with it, we we used it, we utilized it as best we could. But we had people, um, we had incidences, mistakes that people slipping by, and it happened to be the fact that we have to use now multiple platforms when running background checks. Um, one. But, uh, platform that I use picked up this and this. Um, it goes into great depth and, and uh, information on those few charges that was brought up, but it didn't bring up all the charges. They didn't, it didn't have everything. It wasn't complete. And then so we use another platform, cross-reference it with, and the other platform brings up everything, but it doesn't go into great detail on the charges per se. Yeah, generalities, yeah, you would have to uh, go into greater de- – find the, the details of the of the case elsewhere. And then we also use uh, – we have a bounty hunter friend, right, that can run uh, and do a background check on anything current of the individual. So there's so many different layers that we have to implement to make sure that we have the amount of security and safety for our children and our, and our women. But still, it stuff gets by slips through the cracks, and it's um, you can only do so much, but what you have to understand and be vigilant about is that once someone, if someone slips through and is found out afterwards, sweep it under the rug. You can't deny its plausibility. You can't hide and, and ask people to hide the fact that this individual slipped through, right? And this is happening right now. I'm not going to mention any names of organizations, but an incident, a mishap of this magnitude could destroy an organization, can destroy a, a kindred, and it's happening right now. It's, it's, it's in process right now, and you have to be very careful about who you bring around, your kindred, your community, your family, your loved ones, because this is what we live. This is what we're about, uh, the ones that we love and care about, and who is close to us, who we have a level of loyalty and trust with. The key to our future, our genetics future, uh, the future of our customs, the future of our rituals, the the future of everything that we hold dear lies in the safety and the security of what we have going on, whatever it might be. This is what I have going on. 
You have other things going on. People have, uh, you know, projects going on in their lives that they hold dear, and you have to have a level of security and have to maintain it and be vigilant with it. So there's several different things that we, we, we have to uh, be careful of. And as I said, it doesn't matter how much layers of protection you have, um, there are going to be those who slip in. It's inevitable. Right. And again, um, there's also a, a constant learning experience as well because of the fact that you mentioned some individual that you were checking out was actually challenging you to, to try oh, yeah. to find something more on that he knew he had. Well, and that was yeah, a aha moment for you as well. Well, it, it, it kind of it, – that was a, a slap in the face, to be honest with you, because we are uh, a kindred in our community who uh, tries our best, as I said, to maintain a level of safety. And this individual was coming to visit our community, um, flying down, and he uh, was went through a, a background check like we do everybody. It doesn't matter if I've known you for 20, 30 years. You're getting one. I don't care how well-known or how many books you've re- uh, written or uh, how many uh, seminars you've, you've talked at. Um, a background check is being done on everybody who comes into our, our fold, and it's just a safety pr- protocol. But – um, it, it, it's very important that we do it. And he challenged me. I, I ran a background check, and that this is the main reason why we have three different, four different platforms we go on. <laughs> when this happened, yeah, it, it it's, was a slap it's not in the much face. different than when you're doing when you're checking your credit history. You know, you got three right. main outlets that you go through. You may go through two of them and not find anything, and then one of them you found some old bill that you didn't even remember. So I, I ran this background check. How are you going to pay that off so that we have a better credit rating? Right. I ran this background check on this guy, and uh, I told him that there were some things that needed to be uh, possibly talked about, but I didn't see anything really concerning, right? And he said to me, well, there should be something that you need to be talking to me about because um, there was one of the domestic violence charge he had, and uh, we take one of those. That's one of the things that we take very seriously is domestic violence because – uh, an individual mm-hmm. who's going to show violence and harm to those individuals in their household, the individuals that we're supposed to love and care for to the utmost, if this individual is beating on them or uh, doing whatever it is to them to cause them harm, what kind of individual is that that we want around our family, right? So he was uh, definitely – he knew that this is going to be a problem. He knew that I was going to ask him about it, and he was prepared for it, but whenever I didn't, he came to me and said, look, um, I don't know what you're using to do your background checks, but you missed something. And that's, that's what I was talking about. And that's the reason why we have multiple platforms. So it was well, you got to give him credit. And, uh, At least he was honest. Well, that's what I'm saying. Uh, you know, when it comes to domestic violence charges, uh, whenever we're doing background checks, there's always three stories to every incident. You know, you know how it goes. It's very messy with domestic violence. Um, if there's any question, um, we need to see paperwork. We're going to go over the details of it. Uh, we might even – I've even talked to the other individual of the uh, the complaint. You know, um, So we go to the as great details as we can without being intrusive, of course. But if this individual is wanting to get involved with our kindred, our community, then he's going to have to – or she's going to have to open up the doors of, of her privacy um, because – and that's not even – even if they get 
passed a background check, okay? Just because they passed a background check doesn't mean that they have free reign to come to our events and act a fucking fool. You have to right. hold yourself accountable for your actions and deeds and present yourself. This is a family environment, right? Um, we have activities for the kids. When these events happen, uh, it's uh, like a, a festival, a, a miniature festival, but the focus is on symbol and bloat, the ceremony, the exchange of energy, the practice of ritual, the practice of our customs, of our faith and our ancestors. That's the main reason why we hold events. There's a benefit to those events by getting to know one another and creating a bond and a kinship with them, um, working through the layers of frith and loyalty right, to hopefully get to the uh, point of the, uh, your attention level to be called family member or be called um, uh, kindred member. So there's layers of different layers of loyalty and uh, things you're working towards. So once you pass the background check, you come to the uh, – the, uh, we usually have a meet and greet first. It's not a formal. Sometimes it is, depending on how the individual uh, was introduced to us and how long we've known them and, and whatnot. But uh, sometimes they'll be coming to an informal gathering, basically, which we call a meet and greet. And that's a different layer of security because now they've passed the background check, and now we have them in the environment of our household, our kindred, our community. And we're watching how they interact with, uh, you know, how they treat themselves. Are they going to drink too much? Are they going to lose control due to alcohol and act a fucking fool? Uh, or, right. you know, we've, we've had problems with, uh, you know, spitting off the mouth, um, aggressive behavior in some instances, and they are asked to leave. You know what I mean? Um, that's <laughs> another layer. Are, are you talking about old school spitting out of the mouth where you see a guy, instead of chewing chaw, he just likes to spit a lot? <laughs> No, no, I'm talking about uh, loose, loose lips um, and yeah, yeah, talking mouth, about right. whatever, right? Yeah. Um, their character, basically their character and personality, you know what I mean? Um, and we have to maintain control of our body, mind, and soul at all times. So we're, we're, we're looking for interaction with the community. And over given time, over a year and attending many events, um, they can get even more involved with the community. We're more involved with the Pacific kindred. So uh, we have, uh, after many years of being around, you can actually take the next step and swear an oath to a particular uh, kindred. And uh, that is a very serious thing, which shouldn't be taken lightly. Um, it no. basically bonds and ties the individuals more closely, and it's harder to uh, uh, you know, navigate your life. You're gonna now. You have two individuals that are gonna affect your weird and your orlog. So, and it's just funny that we talk. Uh, we're talking about this now because um, just moments before jumping on with you here tonight, I was actually in an interview with Folk Weird, another individual of our our community, and we we're talking about fate and orlog and weird and uh, how they they interact and wind together so well. So that's just kind of funny how this conversation went to that. <laughs> Well, not that, but, uh, but, um, but let, let's also change the gear on that as well. I mean, obviously, you got the, the security issue is all fine and good. But uh, right. some of the things I've seen in other kindreds is the utilizing of one's skills, uh, not only for the rest of the community, but getting the younger generation interested. I'll give you an example. 
when I watch a lot of TV programs, especially about 10, 20 years ago, you see stupid shows like, uh, you know, Orange County Choppers. You know, to me, it was just a bullshit soap opera, okay? But the cool thing about that was, and, and again, the, whoever the, the youngest boy was, he was a complete dipshit. Um, but, and, and again, Paul Sr. and the other kid always seemed to, you know, bang heads up against each other. But the cool thing was, is it got it got younger people interested in doing fabrication again. Where it's like, hey, let me show you how you can work metal. And you can do all sorts of stuff. Here's the tools you use. You want to do a roller. You want to learn how to buff the edges out. Do this and boom. I just made a whole new fender for my motorcycle. Now, I'm going to go and uh, work on a gas tank, you know. It gave, it gave the younger generation an opportunity to want to learn skilled trades and, and, and use your hands again. Because the biggest problem we have with our, our folk over here is that we're losing skilled trade. People don't know how to fix it. And um, so it's because the kids either don't are not forced to learn it at all or they're not taught them at an early age. I, you know, I saw a meme that shows, you know, pretty decent, you know, built guy, fairly, uh, you know, good-sized beard and stuff, wearing a flannel. And his daughter is wearing the same kind of flannel. And she's basically down there, um, got a tire iron, and she's learning how to take a tire off of a car, okay? It says, teach right. them everything you never knew when you were their age. And it was an excellent meme because I'm like, there's so many things that get lost that once that person disappears, um, you know, dies, whatever, um, all that information and all the interactions gone. So every waking moment, you have to use it as a teaching lesson for your children or your uh, fellow offspring, whether it be nieces, nephews, cousins, whatever. And so I've seen different kinders do different things. Like um, one, uh, I was uh, at one of their events. They just they quickly built a skid. Essentially a skid, and then filled it in with um, some stuff. So it was a complete solid board, and they'd have some nice little throwing hatchets, and uh, they would, and even a, a fairly decent size kind of Viking axe that uh, that he bought like five of them or whatever, you know, at a decent rate. And basically, right. we'd sit out there and, and throw the hatchets, or we got pretty good at you get the right distance enough for the axe to be able to do a complete turn in the air. And you can actually hit that thing. We drew even drew a, a smiley face on the on the boards, and you can throw this thing. And I and I actually got pretty good at nailing it right in the nose, man, like boom. And it was a lot of fun. And this one particular lady that was there, she brought her children. She had a uh, an older, you know, a, a, she had a, a daughter and a son. And the daughter was steadfast, man. Even though these hatchets were starting to get a little dull, she was throwing these things for hours. I mean, hours, Bolt. She was probably spent good four, four and a half hours straight throwing these things, trying to perfect it, trying different angles, uh, frontwards, backwards, from behind, from under her leg. I mean, she was really trying to master this skill. Now, her brother would throw them for like maybe half hour, 40 minutes, and he'd walk away, but he'd come back and do a little bit more because he sees his sister still engaged. But the cool thing was is that and one of the meetings they had is to look, this is what we're going to do. He took them down there to the wood shop. And he says, I'm going to show you guys how to make a wooden shield. And he showed them how to make a nice round wooden shield and, and um, how to do the strap and everything and, and really showed them the basics. Like, this is how you use these tools. This is how you use this. I'll do the cutting for you a little bit. But to, like to, to the older sister, if you feel comfortable cutting a stick, I'll show you how to do it. And you can give it a try. And so for safety issue, you know, and she jumped all over it, dude. 
before he knew it, she was up there, you know, using right. the saw and cutting all this thing. And so he was teaching them the basic skills of building and fabrication. And so right. they, they, when they went, and the cool thing about their mother was, is that to get their hammers, they had to earn them. And so she gave them a small itinerary list. You had to complete the shield. You had to be able to, to throw on target with the hatchets. You had to do this. You had to do that. Once you've gotten these things done and checked off, then we, then they as a group came together and actually essentially awarded them their Molniers. So and, it, it's uh, like merit badges with, with the scouts, you know. It, it's the same type of thing, but it, it gave them uh, something to strive for. It gave them a skill that they learned. They'll never forget. And they had something to show for it so they can wear that Molnir with pride. Like, yeah, man, absolutely. I earned this. I didn't just get absolutely. it from a store. I earned it. And and that's yep. what's missing these days is the kids are just giving everything because if they want instant gratification. You want to actually earn it. I mean, you and I are probably close to the same age. Dude, I had to go cut grass to get a BMX bicycle that I wanted really bad. I had to cut grass all that <laughs> summer to get the damn bike because I had to pay I had to basically earn my half of the bicycle. And then I had right. it for a year and someone stole it out of my garage. I can't even tell you how pissed I was because someone took something that I earned, man. And right. that really hits me harder because I, I earned that bicycle. And so, again, I think it – you know you know the rule of the street. When when, uh, when you're giving something for free, it ain't worth a damn, right? But when you actually went out and busted your balls again, dude, it means something to you. So, again, I think what you're building down there, like when you're talking about the ruined stones and, and the work that you're going to finalize to it and get it set in place and all the particular things that you're going to do. it. Plus, you may even have a blessing ceremony as well. Absolutely. We're going to try to have them. Yeah, we're going to try to have it up for Yule. Um, We're going to actually, we're having a small event here on August 19th uh, where the community will come out and work on the folk stones and and we'll begin shaping them and smoothing them and planning uh, to raise them um, right before Yule and have everything set up, hopefully for Yule. And during Yule celebration, uh, the, the ceremony and bloat, we will actually do a blessing and uh, 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 sanctify it and add it to our, our circle. And the Asgardian Gardens, that's where they're going to be placed. Um, the Asgardian Gardens has um, these giant runes sticking out of the ground. Um, they're nine feet high. Um, I'll send you some pictures of the Asgardian Gardens. I think I did already. Didn't I send you some pictures of uh, everything that we got going on out here? And then, no, uh, you know, uh, and, and then – the one thing I want to mention as well, you talked about educating our children, right? Um, yes. Our, our kindred, our community, um, we're one of the few kindreds and communities who actually do uh, live uh, sacrifices, right? And once the bloat is over and the sacrifice has been honored, and we will immediately start the next process of uh, our sacred, our sacred uh, guest which we will begin processing it. And we have um, the children over there helping with the process of, of skinning and, and processing this honored guest of ours. So they might earn and learn the, the skills of how to process your own animal to, to, to survive if one needs to, right? Yes. So that's just, that's just one of the things that we implement into our, our weekend gathering is we not only are – providing a, a, a an opportunity to come and 
witness the power and the the experience, the excitement of ritual and the customs of our ancestors. And whenever you see and are are, are a part of this bloat, no, uh, I hate. I want to toot my own. I don't want to toot, toot our own horn over here. But we've we've been known for our bloat and ceremonies. They're powerful. Um, they're uh, the, what you feel and experience while in circle. Um, I've had people come off out of the circle whenever it was over, and they're shaking. Um, they're shaking at the hands, and they're they can't even barely speak, and they're trying to tell me that they uh, are they're, they were thanking me. They're trying to thank me for what they experienced and what they saw. That the mm-hmm. power of the bloat. It moved them, and it was uh, something that they've never seen. They've, they've been doing this faith and walking this path for four or five years, and they've never been to a large gathering, a gathering that perform, you perform bloat, and you have music, and the, 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 set, the setting and the, the environment that you, 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 you provide for them. Um, it's just it's – just, it's the reason why – I enjoy doing this so much. You know, I was thrusted into this position at the very infant stage of our kindred. Uh, I've grown into the position that I have now. Um, you know, we, we tried to educate our children. We have a, a book that we just put out called Unbinding Glitner. We have a, a second book that's on its way, and these books are – majority of them were written by Robert Ironclad, a member of our – of our kindred and a, 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 a very involved in the leadership as well of our kindred and community. And the majority of this effort was due to him. Um, and we just have so many things going on that we are trying to give back to the community to help educate. And it's just uh, one of the services and one of the, the things that I enjoy so much. And I was, uh, you know, I was raised as a Lutheran. Right, which is basically mm-hmm. a Catholic. <laughs> which is basically a Catholic. I I never um, was drawn to the uh, the faith, the Christian faith. It was, I was never interested. It never, it was boring to me. It was unauthentic. I felt, and I didn't really give any interest in it at all. Um, it was forced towards my. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and I used. I'll say this. I I used to say that. I said this to several people. Right. And I and I asked them. I talked to them. I sit down with this individual, clearly of our ancestry, of our bloodline, the gift, the blood gift, right? I sit him down and I ask him or her, and I was like, "Why are you a Christian?" And they say usually, "Well, I was my mom and my mom and father were a Christian. I was born into the, this faith, right?" And I said, "Well, right. I said I I bet you, ninety five percent sure that they." Your parents were introduced to Christianity through their parents and their parents. And I said, if you go back far, uh, far enough, and you will eventually find a, your family members that were of our faith, more than likely, right? And that they were forced into, they were forced to convert into Christianity or die. Yes. Right. Um, yes. A lot of our knowledge and information was lost through this. But I tell them that more than likely, if you go back far enough, you can find a, a family member that was of our faith, and they were forced to convert. And this is the reason why um, people are coming back to their, uh, root, their roots, their original roots, 
is because of their awakening. This awakening that our, we are, people are having, it, there's a second wave in our faith, and it's happening right now. And, you know, I was uh, brought into this faith. Um, as I said, I've been doing this for almost 16 years now, and my first introduction to this faith was one of my best friends was an Odinist. He called himself an Odinist, and I knew not what that meant. However, I didn't even ask any questions. I didn't even care, right? I was an individual who was aimless, and I was um, making bad decisions, and I was making mistakes, and I was headed down a wrong, bad path. However, my best friend was an Odinist, and I went to his house just like I normally do on a routinely basis. I went to his house one day, and he met me at the front door, and instead of opening his door to me and letting me in, he stepped in front of me and blocked me from entering his household. And I said to him, I was like, what's up? What's going on? And he told me, he says, look, I've known you for a long time. You're my best friend, but you are no longer welcome here at this household. I don't want you around my wife, my children. You are unable to be – you're not welcome at this household any longer. And that was a slap to the face. This is one of my best friends, right? And I've known him for a long time, and he, and he, was, he was denying me access to not only him anymore but his family, and it hit me pretty hard for – What know, was the reason for couple, that? Huh? Because of my actions, the way I was living my life. I, was, I, I had uh, lost my scholarship to soccer. I, play, I had a full soccer scholarship, lost that due to some medical reasons. I uh, I took a, a wrong a wrong road. I started becoming depressed, turning to drugs. I was doing drugs, and I was uh, and it, I turned into an individual that was unworthy. You had lost your way. To, I had lost my way. I, I didn't even have a way. I didn't know of a way, right? I was just a young kid, just wanting to to have fun and and to be. Uh, to be popular. Yeah, you, to, you're to, you're sowing your oats. You you just weren't mature right? enough yet. And he had so already this excelled individual, that. This individual casted me out, right? And uh, even then, that was my first introduction to Odinism that really kind of struck struck a tune with me. But again, mm-hmm. I was I ignored it. I casted it aside, and it wasn't many months later, maybe a year, that I found myself in prison. Oh wow! And whenever I was in, and whenever I was in prison, I was introduced to our faith again, Odinism. And this time I was like, "Well, fuck! This, here it is again." And uh, I yeah, I knew some I knew some uh, some groups actually have prison outreach programs, uh, that's, that's, and I've heard a lot have, of interesting success yeah. stories from that as well. So that's always been a good thing. Yeah. We have uh, inside our of our nonprofit. There's an, uh, a volunteer outreach program because our kindred. This kindred, this community, its birth was inside prison walls, okay? So I was introduced to our faith on the outside, but I didn't turn to it and start living it until I was uh, <laughs> restrained. I had hit my, my low, and it wasn't too much further until I started researching our faith and reading and getting books. Next thing I know, I had 20, 30, 40 books under my bunk that I've read every single one of them. And we started a community inside prison walls. Um, and it was like the first meeting, the first service that we had. We had a fight now and tooth to have it, first of all. And then once we were granted an hour service once a week, um, we had about 80 members there, the first one. 
and they were there for all the they were there for all the wrong reasons though and we uh, yeah. ended up they just having to get out well and they saw it as a you know because of our faith because of the heritage and cultural background of it they're like well I'm white um I'm white so there there must be so it's kind of like an Aryan um, nation thing is what they're pushing for right and so we had to uh basically root out a lot of the uh uh troublemakers right and it was it took right. years to do it uh you know the hard the, the levels of success that we've had as a kindred and community goes back 15 16 years to get to where we are today right and yeah. we're we're not a big organization we're not a big kindred um i mean we're bigger than most i guess um we have about 22 members you know but um if you think about the community the focused community there's 70 uh, 70 individuals that come on a routine basis consistent right and uh we have a, a larger community even if you wanted to put uh everybody who's come to the asgardian gardens or who has broke bread or shared a horn um uh sat at the symbol uh, there's over hundreds close to 200 maybe individuals different individuals all over the states uh, we have a member in our kindred who's in Norway right now who has traveled back to his origin, origin and wanted to find out and live in the land of his ancestors. He's doing that right now in Norway, which is uh, a hell of a thing to do, uh, like a pilgrimage almost <laughs> per se. Yes. And uh, we have uh, individuals who are uh, over around the state um, because of work purposes. So, But our main base is in Texas, and that's where all our numbers are, and we are – um, growing as a kindred and a community ourselves, but we are also uh, reaching out to other kindreds and communities all over the state. Um, I have contact and communication with overseas. Um, uh, whenever we have a, a radio show on Folk FM, I can actually look at everybody all over the world where they're tuned into. It's pretty cool. Um, I don't know if you have something similar, but it's, it's, that's some some good information on where your listeners are. Um, so we have so many things going on and it's just it's just it's humbling to think about where yeah like in my situation i have well over ten and a half percent of my listening base is in russia and i think that's actually phenomenal but that the fact that we try to offer a variety of different styles of programs here on resolution radio so people can hear um different viewpoints uh like i said we're starting to focus a lot on i've got most of the firearm trainers podcasts uh, set up for Sundays because we're making um, Sunday a 2A day. And so I've got almost uh, all the shows caught up with that. Um, so I backdated them so it would kind of fit a little bit more accordingly. And, and again, I sent you one or two programs to listen to. I'm sure you found it to be very informational. Um, oh, absolutely. But that's, uh, again, I, I try to bring forth people that either, uh, either have uh, developed original talent or I bring others on and syndicate them because I think that's something to say. And so we're trying to start to break down certain days for certain themes. And so I just started rearranging the, some of the shows a little bit. Some, some programs, just because of the way they're formatted, uh, I sometimes I have issues when I download them that they don't format when I go to uh, fix them for re-upload. So some programs I've had gaps in their uh, long periods because of the simple fact that for whatever reason, like I download everything, it looks fine, but then I get my editor and it's a flat line. It's like none of the audio works. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? But yet I click it on the actual original source and it plays just fine. So there's right. weird shit going on there. 
So sometimes I, I, I've had a couple shows because they, um, they change their formats. Like I have to go through Odyssey. Well, Odyssey stopped allowing downloads. So I've mentioned some of these show hosts. I'm like, hey, man, you guys can come out with a alternate MP3 version or something. And so some people do like a low-res version uh, in some sort of video show, whether it's a slideshow or actual, you know, their actual uh, video feed, and then shrink it down a little bit. And then at least I could download it that way and then crunch it with some uh, other stuff and then re-upload it on my end. A lot of times I'll bump the levels up a couple of decibels or whatever the case may be to give it more clarity. Um, sounds like a, so it sounds like a pain in the program, Yeah, yeah, it can be. And then, and some of the programs, again, I have some shows that are well over three hours long. Um, so it takes a little while to crunch those and then upload them. Like, like this particular computer here, I reformatted it, but it's some days it's running really, really freaking slow. I mean – I, I sometimes I think it's fast to go through dial-up. <laughs> That's how slow it acts sometimes. It's, it's going to be time for a new one. But I've also been fortunate because I've had people uh, donate enough to the show to help uh, cover some of our expenses uh, that I've been able to upgrade a little bit, like buying external hard drives. You know, it's at least four or five terabytes, or uh, being able right, to right. Uh, you know get something simple as, "Hey, man, my mouse just took a shit." So I. They send me enough cash that when I pay a lot of my other stuff, again, I don't take any money for profit. It all goes plowed back into my into the network. Now, it could be, right. again, upgrading equipment, upgrading storage, uh, software. I, I, so I've been trying to find different things that I can use that makes the show more efficient, maybe a little bit easier right. to process. And, and But more importantly, I'm always on the hunt for shows, for uh, information I think people want to hear. And like again, I look at my stats, and I get I get a lot of listeners in Canada, I get listeners in South Africa, I get listeners in Germany, uh, and again, I got well over ten percent of my listeners in Russia. I'm like floored, you know. I'm like, wow, Ruskies are listening to me. So I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I try to. Are you colluding? Are you, are you colluding with Russia too? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a I'm a Russia file. <laughs> so uh, so my main thing is I try to bring different different flavors of different things. Some people focus on certain topics, others that have a variety of issues they, they cover. Um, and again, like I mentioned, Andreas Johansson from the uh, Nordic frontier, you know, it's the English language program of the Nordic resistance movement, which has really showed the way on how a lot of us can still embrace our faith because obviously their whole sigil is the tear rune. And, um, and their main color is, is, is emerald, you know? So even to the point where, when they actually are out doing demonstrations, there were white shirts, green ties, which are tucked halfway in, and they wear uh, black slacks. So, I mean, they have a, a very specific uniform, and many of them are carrying the, the Tirun uh, flag of the Nordic resistance movement. So they become such a threat in some countries that they've tried to annihilate them as a presence, and others, they've managed to elect members into the parliaments. So this is great. So it shows that people are starting to wake up. And they always do flyers, do demonstrations, but they're always, always professional. And I think that's one of the things that we need to really stress to our people that unlike these Black Lives Matter wannabes, which are many in Antifa, which a lot of them are, are brothers and sisters, man. They're just brainwashed, you know. They'd be sitting in mommy's basement eating Cheetos and playing video games, and they think, oh, I got this role-playing game where I could go and shoot people and do all this shit. Yeah, well, that one dance will try to, try to pull that shit from Wisconsin. Guess what happened? Kyle Rittenhouse got his ass, right. and he managed to show that he was he was attacked and defending himself, that he wasn't uh, 
a miscreant, and it wasn't uh, a rabble-rouser. He was trying to defend his neighborhood. So, again, um, I don't encourage people to do that. He got lucky on that deal. But the bottom line is, one, we need to make sure we understand all armaments. We need to understand firearms, safety, and usage, and learn from others that have taught it, learn others that have um, knowledge to share. And, again, uh, I, I've seen kindreds where they actually had full workshops, Bolt, where they would actually go and say, okay, we have a guy who uh, is into escapology or whatever, you know, that they show you different ways that every piece of his clothing serves a purpose. So he doesn't really right. wear jeans and T-shirts like maybe you and I would, you know, wear our favorite thing or even our favorite religious symbol, whatever the case may be. No, everything he wears is is tactically useful. Right. Whether it's yeah, so a, a survivalist to the extreme, I guess. To the extreme. So if he ever gets, you know, handcuffed or whatever, he has a way to get out of that shit. Or just showing us like, hey, we still can have better communication within the group. Here's the type of uh, walkie-talkies you want to use. And then here is the options. If you if you take the stock antenna, it's only nine inches. If you get the tactical, well, not the tactical, but you get the extended antenna, it's 18 inches. And this is the typical range you get depending on topography. And here are various right. tacticals you can get. Here's the range with it folded. Here's the range with it fully extended. You know, I've actually had stuff where I ex experimented here where at my base, I want to use the tactical, but remotely, the tactical actually is to my disadvantage, either because it's physically too big because I'm inside a vehicle or I just don't get a good enough signal, where the 18-inch ex extended one, I can still get a fairly clear signal where at least the, the recipient can hear me re reply. So, again... These are all things we need to learn because eventually things are going to happen, man. They're going to start attacking our grids. Uh, there's going to be an EMP attack from maybe a foreign you know, entity like China. Whatever the case may be, we have to assume that every day we wake up, the lights may not come on. It could be a natural disaster. As a kindred, you want to make sure you have the apparatchik together. Even something simple as if you had bought a property and you built each other's structures that at least at some point you want to at least be in somewhat of a, a line of sight view with the next guy. So you could do it like our founders did where you could go, Hey, you know, um, in case something happens, we're going to have candles in the window. Like when we had pagers, you used to be able, you could dial for free if you know the right code on, on pay phones. And then you go to dial your buddy and like, you could put some digits in there. Like for example, my best friend, and I had one set up. We had a five digit, uh, uh, level of importance if it was one zero it means call me whenever the fuck ever two zeros is call me you get a chance three zeros hey man call me as soon as you can four zeros it's urgent and then you had nine one one it's absolute emergency <laughs> so at least with the right. pagers you can kind of use that same basic you know uh a simple code and so just saying hey man um i'm looking out my window here hey man bolt's got two candles in his window oh shit now, I mean that, that that says something to me, right? That well, man, there's two candles I'm, I'm, in your in your lookout window. I know that means you need help or there's danger coming. I mean that's how our right. founders did it, where they would go and and you you saw it like when the um, the Spanish were getting ready to invade England because they wanted to take out Queen Elizabeth because they saw her as a heretic. Okay, they had like watchtowers that would have. Um, bonfire, you know, torches on them, and, and just, they'd light them up as soon as they knew, hey, the, the Armada's coming this way, boom, 
I just lift this up. Dude, they're, they're more in that direction. Holy shit, we got to go that way. So, I mean, again, you look at some of the basic stuff that you don't even have to be military, just classical historian, just kind of go, dude, sometimes you just keep it simple and just kind of go, hey, um, I'm looking at my window here, and all of a sudden I'm going, dude, Bolt's got three candles in his window. Oh, shit, grab the gun. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, these are all things that um, you can set up so that way you always have an analog way of communicating with each other because you cannot guarantee that the phones will work, the Internet will work, or uh, even basic power structure. Well, I'm glad you brought this up because, you know, uh, one of the benefits of a community, Kindred, is that the the bigger the community, the the bigger the uh, the Kindred, right? Um, although yes. it, it brings up some more, like, it, it increases the chance of drama inside the Kindred, but it also increases the experience and the skill set and the, the level of security that a Kindred and community have. And we... Yes. There are several individuals in our kindred and community who have the survivalist mindset who are preppers. They prepare for or, or stuff of that nature, right? And there's individuals in our community who are farmers who are turning to farming and uh, have chickens and pigs and goats and all this stuff that to provide. And actually, this um, Walker Farms is uh, the name of the farm um, is who is involved with our kindred, and they actually raise and care for our sacrifices um, for every major event, right? And it's, mm-hmm. uh, they bring them up, they bring them up, and eventually, um, hopefully this Yule or next Yule, think, check this out. One of our children, right, um, it, it, it just solidifies the mindset of the education in our community at, towards our children, right? Uh, one of these children in our community has asked me if she can raise – the sacrifice from an infant and she wants to lead the sacrifice our honored guest up to the altar right during the bloat where we don't have to wear a leash or anything of that nature it'll willingly walk up to be honored right so that's what our that's where our our children's mind frame is at they want to partake in our ceremonies uh get involved with our bloats um, they're learning our ways of our ancestors and, and memorizing the customs of our faith. And these are our children. That's where our future lies. And let me ask you this: so many thi- when, when you do the sac- when you do the sacrifice, uh, is it completely ceremonial, or do you actually um, prepare to use it uh, to be devoured later? Oh, absolutely not. We uh, we have the honored guest during the bloat is on site during the bloat and inside bloat form ceremonial form we will uh do the uh the act of the the actual sacrifice and we'll do it and right in front of everybody and everybody has an opportunity before we actually slice the throat of our honored guest we do it the traditional way with a knife and before the actual moment comes we have a moment inside the ceremony, inside the bloat, where everybody there has an opportunity to come up to our honored guest and whisper in the ear of our honored guest and tell them to be courageous and to thank them for their, their generosity and their courage and their, their commitment to our health and our livelihood. We have a moment with the honored guest. Everybody has a moment. And um, once that moment is done, once everybody has had that moment, then the process 
will begin. The we'll slice the honor guest, right? And we will, um, as you said, you had the <laughs> you had the uh, the children going through earning their way, right? Um, yes. Once an individual, once a child of our community has reached a certain age, or has spoken the interest of getting involved, um, they will have the opportunity to to uh, manhood, womanhood, and have the opportunity to be the one who is there during the sacrifice and is responsible for catching the blood in the bowl and is in charge of making sure the blood in the bowl gets in the bowl and is placed on the altar, prepared for me to bless the blood and to give the blood gift to our ancestors and the blood gift to the individuals at the bloat. So the right, it's, it's sort of a rite of passage inside of our community. It's not, in, if you can't, you won't find it in our in our our lore or our sacred texts. I don't believe I've never seen it, but um, right, it's something that uh, are is needed. There's always a bowl bearer, right, to catch the blood, and we just used it. This we implemented this into our community, our kindred, as of like a step uh, of manhood uh, for the children, and it's to get them involved, and they love it. They've uh, it's it's really beautiful to see. It's powerful to see. Um, it's just, this is one of the things that one might see when, uh, um, down here at the, in, in Texas at the Asgardian Gardens. <laughs> well, that, that's the reason why I asked if, if you might actually consume the sacrifice, uh, as part of the feast, because of the fact that, uh, you know, oh, typically when you go to slaughter yeah. an animal, you don't, you, it, it, it cannot be scared when you have to kind of no. just kind of sneak up behind it and just quickly get it done because the fear. No, no. Meat. We, we even, yeah, we go, we go a step further. Um, we have um, during the blow. We have when when it's t- when it's come time to do the process, right? We have somebody actually go over there, and and sit with it and hold it as an infant, like a baby, and it's in its arms and it's calm, it's cool and collected. Everybody comes up and lays their hands on it and pets it and and tells um, whispers whatever they need to do, and whatever they want to say to our honored guest. And at the time, it's it's as comfortable as it can be um we've had our we've had our mishaps right we've we've gotten to this point we've perfected it to this point we've had our uh, mishaps and we've grown and learned from our, uh, the process and we've gotten really good at it and uh it needs to be honored and sacred and uh uh we have a lot of experience in this and not a lot of people actually do this for the simple fact right. that it, they don't have the knowledge or they are uh, worried of the outcome um, to misplease the gods and goddesses, to not do it properly. Um, there's a lot of things that might hold one back, right, when performing. Well, not that, but what it does is it, it shows reverence because like with Native American tribes and a lot of hunters, you know, once you get your kill, um, one of the things to do is sometimes they'll either drink the blood or maybe um, eat part of the heart or whatever the case may be because they're absorbing – the essence of that creature into them as well so it's right. it's a bonding process it also uh, like you talk about how to talk with it afterwards and stuff it, it also has to show how they a um have regard for the animal and secondly also has a, a, a way to how to deal with death so when actually death right. comes to someone you love it's not as traumatic because at least you're somewhat um familiar with the process so again, it, it's it's uh, 
I don't want to call it a gateway drug, but it's a good primer um, for helping people deal with when tragedy does come further down the road. Well, sacrifices, they're, they're, I mean, it's a sacrifice, okay? We're giving something up that we've raised. We've put time and effort, money, uh, uh, you know, time and Love. attention to it. And we're, we're, it's supposed to be sad. It's supposed to be powerful. Um, we're losing yes. something that we love. It's, that's the whole point. If, if you're not sad, if it's not a – but it's also a joyous occasion because, because of such sacrifice, because of the, the sacrifice that this is making, we are allowed to grow stronger and, uh, and more wise and to grow into the potentials that we, we might become. Right? So it, it's a process, and the bloat, the ceremony, the actual – the knife cut is just the first step. Or actually, it's the second step because you got to raise it. So there's the raising, mm-hmm. the actual process, right? And then as soon as the the honored guest has given his life, um, the next step is to process it, to clean it, to make sure that the uh, uh, every, nothing is wasted, and we use it as a community. We 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 cook it, we prepare it for the next day's meal, and that's the last step is the consumption and the uh, the the last honor of our honor guests, and that would finish the process of the feast. Right. And, and again, that's what I was kind of saying is how far are you actually going with it? Because the fact that really um, makes it a community thing. So we go the whole way. We go the, the yeah, whole distance. And, and, and again, especially the, the youth, because they really understand the process um, it's not as much of a shock to them. And also, when you actually let them do it hands-on, it really right. um, energizes them to maybe even take it steps further because of the fact that they feel, wow, that was pretty neat. And, and they really understand the process. It's like I remember uh, an episode of Dallas years ago when Jr. was actually out with his son, John Ross, and uh, they went hunting for the first time. And they, he managed to shoot his first deer. And so he was showing them the power of uh, in your hands to be able to track something down, to hunt it, and then to kill it. And, again, I don't remember if they did the process where they drink the blood and all that stuff or even put it on their face like Native Americans do. But, again, you absorb that animal's essence into you uh, on contact as well as processing afterwards. Again, it, it, it makes it seem like that venison tastes so much better because you're the one that actually went out hunted it, tracked it, actually killed it, and then maybe even field dressed it yourself. So it, it feels much more uh, intimate for you because you actually did it yourself. Oh, I agree. It's the effort, the time, the attention, um, the the details of such, which makes um, the environment so sacred. Yeah, I, I, I totally understand where you're coming from. So like I said um, – I think what you guys got there is pretty neat, and I think the more and more you, uh, you know, you know, some kindreds actually put some of the stuff on um, the video, maybe on actual websites, or just have a YouTube channel, and um, and you see all different ways and how they do it. Again, some are um, very minimalist. Some, you know, some of the leaders just read out of the books. Others uh, right. try to do it for organization. Others maybe more dramatic, like you're talking about, really going full regular. And, and really getting out there, doing the chants, the invocations, everything else, and just going, yeah, man, we're going hardcore. And, and that's the thing <laughs> is to uh, 
get people into it. Like I said, when I, when I went to see High Lung in, in Maryland a couple of years ago, uh, I was floored by the people in full regular, in, in some cases, even having some armaments that they're actually allowed to bring in. I was shocked. But that being said, you know, some people might look at and say, oh, yeah, they're a LARP or something like that. No, these people are really getting into it because of the fact that um, uh, it, 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 when, I first, when I finally got into myself, I could hear it calling to elements of my soul, man. It's like when you walk through a forest or a, a, a nice park or, or woods and you walk through it for more than 10 minutes, man, it literally recharges your soul's batteries because you're getting away from that concrete jungle known as a city. And when you actually walk through the woods, you feel like you hear everything better. Your sense of awareness is heightened. I mean, it's just like you can smell things in the air. It's like, wow, it's like your animal instincts start to come alive. And it's just like it, it really goes back to the basic DNA of your soul and of, and of your ancestors. I mean, like in my case, uh, a lot of my family came from Deutschland. So, you know, I have some family that came from northern Germany. I have others that came from some, you know, maybe some of the woods. But again, I can feel it touching my soul when I walk out there. Just man, I feel like I'm finally one with nature because you know I was always raised in the city, never knew it was what it was like. So when I actually got, you know, my dad would take me out to some places out in the country, and not even having a, a bathroom in the house was culture shock to me. I actually had to go down to the outhouse once and to take a deuce, man. I mean, I was like, what the fuck? You know, I was I don't know seven, eight years old. But, I mean, it was, it was shock to me because I've been so used to being spoiled by having certain luxuries of modern-day living when I actually had to go a step back a little bit to how our ancestors always done it. It was like a reality check, man. I'm like, wow, holy shit. But, again, I, I'm appreciative I had that experience. Right. Uh, it's it's so exciting, you know, the uh, the energy, the exchange of energy when everybody's here. And uh, the sign, the the feeling of camaraderie, of kinship, and we have, like you said, we have the axe throwing sometimes here. We have uh, events for the kids. Um, we have, as I, I heard you talk about it earlier on the show, that we've uh, we've created. We have our own website. Um, we work through donations as well. Um, and I don't mind. Um, see, we don't we don't have anybody in our in our community pay dues, right? We don't. Right. Some organizations they have membership fees. They make people pay to come, and to 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 speak with our gods and worship our faith. Right? I, I don't I don't agree with that. I don't make anybody pay dues to come here. Um, we have auctions. We have uh, like merchandise that we sell, like crafts and stuff, to make uh, donations or to fund our ways. I would rather take five years longer to get to where I want to be and do it and arrive in a fashion that I, I agree with than to push on fees and, and, and membership fees and to make people pay to be a part of something. Um, I, just, I just don't agree with that. And I, as I said, mm-hmm. I don't, I, it, doesn't, it doesn't bother me. If it takes me five years longer to get there, I, I'm okay with that. You know, we, we have our own website. Um, we, we've created our own social media platform, Ragnar. And Grantavius, by the way, you did say his name pretty pretty accurate. Grantavius Varun. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Ragnar and Grantavius, they've done so much to create the platform and the environment which we use as a community, and which is the, the way that we can reach out on Folk FM. They are, are hands down 
those two individuals have created the, this environment. We have our own social media, which is set up just like Facebook. Um, um, Folkbook, the radio station, um, Folk FM, our, our website, which you can get on, and there's um, education uh, material there. There's faith information. Um, we're going to have uh, a lot more. We're still in the creation process of that. And I never realized how much time and effort it takes to maintain a website <laughs> until oh, yeah. now. So, I learned that um, years ago. You know, it, it's, it could be a headache. For the, for, for the longest time, I was I look at it, I was like, fuck, it's so outdated and behind, we're behind yeah. on it. So right. we're, we're trying to maintain it. Um, we might have to get some more people involved in the community and, ha- and actually assign somebody to maintain it on a regular basis. I don't know. But uh, we're we're trying our our, our damnedest to uh, reach out and to uh, provide an, uh, a pathway to the divine, <laughs> our gods and goddesses, to awaken the individuals to to uh, accept the blood gift and understand uh, our faith as a cultural and heritage, and it's it's a gift, and uh, it's just uh you know one of the many things that we have going on here. Uh, you know we're still uh, in terms of organizational history and lifeline um we're we're very new still and but we've uh, have gained a lot of popularity a lot a lot of the stuff that we have done has rang true with other individuals around the country and uh we've been contacted on a regular basis here in the, the you know the present here recently and it's just an amazing feeling and uh to know that you know you're giving back to the community giving back to our faith um it's just a, a good feeling. I don't know. So in closing, um, I mentioned at the beginning of the broadcast, obviously would see where you came from, um, some of the things you're doing now. Uh, Did I answer what are some all of your questions? That you, yeah, well, what are some of the things that you see, um, not just with your kindred, but as a folk that you are at least hopeful for? Like you talk about more and more people are starting to wake up and coming back to the old ways. Uh, again, we talked about a little bit about uh, you mentioned unis, which are basically universalists. Right. Those are the ones we want to avoid right. because they're just uh, trendies. You know, they just go for whatever's new or uh, whatever sounds something a little different, and then it it just becomes a fad. You know. Uh, that being said, though, uh, many more of our people, especially of European ancestry, are starting to go back to their roots, and even some Eastern Bloc countries, like I mentioned to you, Lithuania actually had a full state-sponsored event where they were actually um, chanting to their original uh, pagan gods. And it was a phenomenally shot and choreographed um, event aired on national television. I used a combination of drones, uh, body cams, as well as uh, some zip lines like you see at a football game. And, um, they had beautiful uh, actual arrangements of how they how they walked and and, and made shapes and stuff in in the ground uh, you know on the field and stuff. Like I said, it was very well done. I think it's called uh, I think it's called Corinda or something like that. I think that was the name of it. Unfortunately, it did not have subtitles, so I couldn't see in English exactly what they were invoking and what they were praising. It would have been nice to see it, but see all the traditional Eastern European garb. You know, just wearing uh, some of the simple uh, tunics as well as sashes, uh, the flowers in their hair. Maybe it's more um, 
maybe more the national flower or something that's more indigenous to Lithuania. I mean, these are all things that a lot of us see. And another thing I mentioned, too, is that uh, a lot of people that are doing their wedding ceremonies, especially they do uh, heathenic wedding ceremonies, uh, they look at a lot of the stuff that's in the, the, the eddas and stuff and go and use it as a base, but then they'll add a little spice to it. Like, okay, say in my case, uh, I have a lot of Deutsch in my family. I look at some things that we would have done traditionally uh, at weddings in Deutschland, where I also have Scottish ancestry. Maybe I'll look at some of the things that Scots do, you know, or maybe my bride might have, um, uh, maybe she's Irish or maybe she's, uh, you know, hell, even Lithuanian, you know. Look at many of the different things they traditionally do for their wedding ceremonies of antiquity and bring those elements in. Maybe something simple as I wear the sash a certain way as my um, Scottish ancestors would wear it or I'd wear a certain belt across, you know, across my shoulder or whatever, you know, whatever. I, I want to bring those different elements in. And so I'm right. honoring my familiar heritage as well as still in the Nordic traditions of, of the thing. You know, you got the exchanging of the swords. You also have the dropping the Molnir in her lap, things like that. So you look at all those, and I encourage anyone who listens broadcast, film it. Film your wedding ceremony. Maybe give a little bit of detail. So have fun with it and say, hey, here's some commentary. Uh, look, when we did this thing, I included this and this and this from my family, and she included this and this and this from her family. So that way we feel like all our ancestors have come together as this bond between this man and this woman are come together, and that we start our thing from that. Not even mention when you, some some families start their own sigil. Maybe it's a combination of the two, you know, that they really want to have that legacy, that, that we're going to have our own family crest, our own sigil. So, again, these things can make it fun. Uh, you can really uh, have some enjoyment with it. But, again, you're creating a legacy for yourself. So even if within two or three generations you're kind of forgotten, it'll never be forgotten that, hey, man, Bolt actually – you know, my great granddaddy Bolt actually made that sigil, and that's what we right. that is our family lineage right there. And so again, you may be forgotten as an individual, but your contributions, what you've left behind, is always remembered in your family crest. So I'm glad you asked that. I, you know, where do I see our faith? That's your question, right? Where do I see our faith going from here on out? In the near future, or the it is growing. Yes, and uh, you know. I brought, I'm glad you brought that up because the, the more popular and the more individuals who are awakened, right? And, you know, I'm going to include uh, all walks of life, right? Because, unfortunately, I don't recognize the universalistic ideology. I don't think uh, it's of our uh, – the interpretations of our That's Lord it goes that way at all. I don't, I don't recognize yeah. universalistic ideology at all. It's just not the way I interpret our faith, okay? And many others interpret it. It's the perversion of the interpretation which gets that misconstrued to to lean towards any kind of universalistic ideology, okay? And say the perversion so, but, is an actual it's triple brackets, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, so you know, the more popular our faith gets, um, you're going to st- start seeing a more Hand fastings. You're going to start seeing more naming ceremonies. You're going to see uh, more, uh, you know, the, the the funerals, the last rites. Um, 
and it's getting more advanced. Uh, there's been talk about actually uh, implementing a pyre um, to actually have yes. someone burned at a pyre. Um, yes. There's been talk. That's what and, I want like to see more of is funeral pyres. Absolutely, brother. So, I, and I, if I'm not mistaken, I think there's a few states in the United States have th- that option. I don't know if it's ever been enacted or uh, been done. Especially if they have a lot of Native American tribes, um, that would right. probably be an option, yes. So I see on uh, something, Hold on. So, so, something else to mention to you, too, is when you talk about traditional burials, um, they're having what's called green burials now, where it's it's completely organic. In other words, we're not going to waste time embalming you, putting all this nasty shit in your fucking corpse, okay? That you actually have the old school way or maybe I'm wrapped in burlap and, and I'm actually lowered into the ground and just throwing dirt on me and becoming worm food, you know? Um, right. Again, some of us are more traditional as far as going back to antiquity. Like in my case, I've made sure I've, I've put instructions in my stuff to say, when I die, make sure you put two coins on my eyes so I can pay the ferry boat, man, so I can cross the river sticks. You know, I'm not taking any right. chances, man. I want to honor as much of my European ancestry as possible without spreading myself to them and say, there's certain traditions I think that matter and that, that were held over even coming into new, the new world for centuries. I mean, for example, matter of fact, this coming weekend is Celtic Fest here in, in Dayton, okay? There's an Irish gentleman down there who's got a, an excellent um, display that he's got set up. He's got this uh, stuffed body, okay, um, laying on across some sawhorses laying on top of a door and he's wearing obviously you know he's fairly well dressed he's got his vest he's got he's got uh, uh, some cigars in his pocket he's got some playing cards his shoes are actually by his feet Um, his feet his big toes are actually bound his hands are together and his uh, I think his thumbs are bound and there's all sorts of stuff going on here and he says when Irish do wakes they actually have all this tradition. So, for example, why is there a door there? Well, they take the door off the front door of the place because when you have a wake, everyone is welcome to come in to pay your respects, right? So they lay the, they lay the body on the door because it's also symbolic of saying they're, that they're going to go pass through it to go to another to the other side, right? And then the, the toes are tied together because as the body sits there, you know, body wants to morph and expand and all that other stuff. This keeps the body straight. Um, why has he got the cigar? Well, maybe he wants to have, have enjoy a cigar on the other side, you know. Um, all different things are going on here. Why is his shoes by his feet? So he has shoes to wear when he's traveling on the other side. I mean, all these things. And, 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 and when it comes to funerals, Irish have such a positive view of death. Like, oh, it's finally over. Man, you're on the other side, man. Rock on. Hope you have a great fucking time out there, you know. They don't sit there and go boo-hoo-hoo as much as we do in most societies here. They see it as a as a, a celebration because now right. it truly becomes a celebration of life. Like, hey, man, this guy has passed on. Even if I don't know this guy from Adam or I should say actually know him from Liam, <laughs> you know, I could walk in there, pay my respects, say, well, uh, Glad to see this guy's got a good sense with it. He's got all of his family there that he was loved. You know, I can I basically associate and appreciate this guy as being taken care of going to the other side, you know. So, again, some of those European traditions I think need to be respected. And if they're more specific to your bloodline, 
you should incorporate the life and death situations. Another thing I mentioned to you on your show is some cemeteries now are finally starting to recognize uh, heathen iconography. So you can right. actually have a Volknut. You can have a Monir on your headstone. You can have the life and death rooms that they're starting to become more acceptable, and they're getting the uh, the the, uh, the tooling they need or the laser etching to put those onto the headstones. So again, um, our faith is starting to become more recognizable. It's starting to become uh, more profitable, shall we say, for, for those particular situations. And, and, and we should at least suggest to these people, hey, I don't want to see these crosses everywhere. Do, do you have a Molnir? Do, do you have a Volknut? You know, do you have a life and death runes at least? I mean, these things matter to us. And, and when we Absolutely. leave that marker in the ground, Someone can go by and say, okay, this guy was a war veteran, this guy was a mason, <laughs> poor bastard, and this guy was this, this guy was that. Oh, look, this guy's a traditional man. Look, he's got life and death runes on his on his dates. Then he's got the Molnir. He's got the Volknut. Wow, this guy was hardcore, man. So I, I agree. I agree with all that. The advancement of our faith is just going to be um, – advanced and it's going to speed things up but uh, the fact of the matter is is it's pivotal uh the future of our faith is pivotal based on the education we got to educate yes. you know uh half the universalists that are involved with our faith um they were presented with false information you mean um i, I would i would go that far it's the how how the education is presented Who's presenting it is it's, it falls on the leadership of our faith. Those individuals who call themselves leaders, who are uh, lead, leading a community or kindred, it's on the proper education, providing the uh, truth of our faith. And just because our faith, you know, our faith is hands down cultural heritage, DNA, bloodline, but just because one is this faith is open. To an individual doesn't mean that it's the right path for the individual you know everybody's going to have their awakening at different times in their life they may not have that awakening yet they might be living with the wool over their eyes from the government you know i mean they they may not see the ideology and understand the importance of our faith centered around family friends loved ones they may not be living that lifestyle they and they it may not be their time Right. Well, it, it, I'm uh, glad you bring that up, Bolt, because of the fact that we talked about how some people, obviously, as far as unis, oftentimes come from different backgrounds. The biggest problem is, is when people actually have that spiritual awakening. Like I said, when you tend your first bloat and you get that, that that spark, man, that actually divine spark, you're like, holy shit. I mean, it's a it's an aha moment. You know, a lot of us have all been living a life that we've been prearranged or we've been taught to live this way or we – we were told it's okay to have this lifestyle or whatever the case may be. Or some people are just rebelling against Christianity because it's shoved down our throats for so long. Some of us have made decisions that later on we kind of go, man, I wish I had known then what I know now, you know. But, I mean, you know, some people may have had uh, uh, mixed children with other people just because that, you know, maybe this is by happenstance or it was deemed okay in your family. And then later on you have, you have an epiphany and go, you know, wow, man. I, I hear what this guy says, and I just kind of go, man, I need to start asking questions. And next thing you know, or maybe someone died recently in your family, and like in my case, 
I had come across, my uncle had passed away a few years ago, and I come across a whole gaggle of photos um, that was basically my grandfather's grandparents and great-grandparents, as well as my great-grandmother's bloodline from a whole other lineage in, in Germany. I was like, holy shit, man. My mom didn't even know about this shit. And I was just like, wow. So I started going back and started following this. I go, where's this all going to go, man? I mean, like I said, if he hadn't died, I would never come across that. I was completely ignorant of our family lineage because it was never available to me or was forgotten. And then I come across it just by going through my grandfather's, you know, room because my uncle had never left, you know, never moved out of the house. Now, when he, my grandfather died, he inherited the house. So he lived in it for another 28 years, you know. And then we go to clean everything up. And it's just kind of like, holy shit, man, I got this whole lineage of family I did not even know that I had existed. I mean, I got photographs going back to 1877, dude. And I'm like, wow. That's crazy. This, this is phenomenal. And they look like they were made yesterday. I mean, I found two pictures of my grandfather. He was six months old and nine months old from 1920. And it looked like they were shot yesterday, man. Funny because my uncle hadn't, he, he was letting a lot of things go because of his health. And the, uh, air, the central air hadn't worked in probably seven, eight years. And so the fact that upstairs in my grandfather's bedroom gets hot in the summer, the fact that none of these got any type of damage from lack of temperature control is amazing. So I'm like, holy shit. So I got a whole another section of my family that I'm, I'm following, you know, so I can see, hey, where do we come from? Uh, what else other values did we have back then? You know, it, it, what, what things do they do? Can I incorporate into my you know, future things or uh, um, into my ceremony? Or have I found any personal items that I want to add to my altar, you know, that have come from that, hey, my mom might go, hey, this is my, this is my grandpa's. Well, that's my great-grandfather. Well, uh, well I'll definitely keep it with me, and I want to put it in my, in my altar. So when I do my prayers, my invocations, I have items from my ancestry available to me. So now I feel more enlightened. You know, so again, some people have this, we've been brainwashed to think liberalism's okay and this, that, and the other, but then all of a sudden we have a spiritual awakening somewhere. We've been hammered over the head with Christianity. Matter of fact, one of the local bands I used to see a lot, and then I interviewed um, the singer years later, um, I told him, I said, yeah, Ken, I remember you said in in an article in the Dayton City paper that you said Catholicism will make someone choose an alternate lifestyle quicker than anything else. And I, he says, I said that? It's like, oh, yeah, I'll never forget that. Because I'm like, dude, that's spot on. Because you're shoved with this shit down your throat. And, again, it's not of our people. It's from the Middle East. It's completely foreign to Europa. So, again, <clears throat> yeah. once we start looking at our ancestors and we start going, hey, wow, man, I think we really found our true – we really discover where we came from. And that helps many of us go to full circle, brother. Absolutely. It's – uh. It's not always the, 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 the speed and route that you get to where you are, but uh, how destination. you arrive, right, how you arrive yeah. with the destination, the knowledge and the wisdom you've gained. Uh, it's important. Yeah, that's, and the, that's, what, that's the best part. And, as, and, uh, as I said, and again, if we're I, able to catalog yeah. that information, then we can pass it on to our next generations, whether if, it's, if you don't have direct blood yourself, you've got nephews, nieces, cousins. Let them know. You know, I mean, after my dad passed away, I found out from my uncle that my cousin had done a lot of stuff searching on my dad's side of the family. 
and and um, you know found out that we were connected to certain individuals as well. I was like, oh wow, that's fucking great. So again, I have a lot to track down on my, both sides of my family, and it's going to be a fantastic voyage, man. So I mean, like I said, um, who knows where it might lead? But the best part about that is I feel like I've actually really discovered a piece of myself because I know where we came from. Maybe like oh, maybe my sixth generation ancestor came here because they had to deal with this. Maybe there was a, a famine or maybe there was a war or religious persecution, whatever the case may be. Again, they had to betray a country to come to this one. So that makes me respect them even more because they were, you know, to save their family. They had to provide for them. And again, we need to we need really need to look at that because of the fact that uh the more I think about it, man, our, our ancestors that went through hardships for us to be here today need to be recognized and the need to be given with, with a lot of regard because a lot of people came here with nothing to build everything we have here today. I agree. <laughs> it's, it's, it's called a journey for a reason. Oh, it is. All right, everybody, I want you to check out uh, Bolt Oldenson's website again. Again, he's got a lot of cool stuff uh, you can check out um, through various websites he has there. He has thefetteredfolkhearth.com, folkbook.us, and folkfm.us. That's really a lot of the music mix that he's uh, put together. And um, there's a lot of interesting stuff there. Again, he's also got other uh, – Kindred members, um, friends of Kindreds, and other guests that come on. I mean, obviously, he had me on this week as well. So, if anything, it gives him more of an opportunity to do more of an outreach. So, that way, he can use his platform to reach out to other individuals to bring their filter of influence and experience and say, hey, man, this is what I've gone through. Or, hey, we have this bloat over in Spain, and this is what we did, and things of that nature. And, again, if, if you have the opportunity – to talk to heathens and um, folk builders and such over in Europe, invite them to come over, bring that European heritage straight here, how they do it there. Cause sometimes it may seem more pure because it comes from the mother continent, you know? So like I said, if anything, it's all about the exchange of ideas. And uh, it's, again, it's, it's a unity from our people. And I think the more and more we look at that and see that with such great posit- positivity, that it will grow, that that seed will germinate, and it will bear incredible fruit. Wouldn't you say so, Bolt? I agree, and I just uh, hope I'm here to see it. Uh, as I said, it, it's a, we're moving pretty fast right now. Um, I think that's a dangerous thing and a, a good thing. It all depends on the, the ones who are at the helm, <laughs> I guess. And, uh, you know, it, there's a reason why uh, certain individuals are where they need to be and certain individuals need to be changed. Uh, leadership is where it counts and education, um, the pre- presentation of the education and, uh, you know, direction to make sure we hold true to the uh, the customs and the ideology of our focus community and our faith. And, and definitely now that, but also contingency plans too as well, because uh, right. I've, had, I've had individuals say, I'm here to, we come up with one called the shield wall network and basically set up where, you make sure you have um, bug out situations within 150 miles of your situation. In other words, within a t- one tank of gas, you make sure you have a four by four vehicle because the roads can't be trusted. 
that could be clogged up with anything situation and make sure you have basic provisions. And, and don't put all your eggs in one basket either. Go, oh, we're just going to go to grandma's house. The shit hits the fan. Nah, dude. You might want to make sure to diversify your backup plans because you may have one individual that might have more access to a ranch. So they have more access to livestock. You may have some that have rich soil for vegetation. Some may have uh, fresh water and fish. Others may have weapons. Others may have a, just more of a tactical attitude uh, or aptitude, I should say, to be able to deal with certain situations. So you always have to assume you should have at least three or four contingency plans. So if the shit is a fan and, and all of a sudden your town starts to go ballistic and, uh, you know, human nature is to go start eating each other after a while, get the hell out of there and, and make sure you've got something in place, even if you have to go by foot eventually. So, again, these are things – this is the reality situation. You can always have a Red Dawn scenario. You always have to assume that everything you know right now could just cease to exist tomorrow. And what are you going to do? You know, do you have the skills to, to, to survive? And how, how are you going to get your family members out? Something simple as so many people are on prescribed medications that if all of a sudden the system went down or the electricity goes out, even for long term, if not permanently, um, you're literally going to have a zombie apocalypse because so many people are on over-the-counter meds and they're going to have withdrawal within a matter of days or weeks. And next thing you know, they're going to be out there looking for shit. And believe me, they're not going to care about you. They just want to get whatever your stash is because most people don't keep more than one week's worth of food in their house. So you always have to assume that if things hit the fan – and know, also know that know the political affiliation of your neighbors, ladies and gentlemen. If they're Democrats, I'll make assume they're the fucking enemy because they will automatically rat you out if they think they can get uh, a, a bag of rice over you. And that, believe me, history has shown that that happens. I don't care if it's China. I don't care if it's Germany. I don't care if it's somewhere else. If they think they can get one over on you, they will. So you need to know who your neighbors are and, and who the enemy is because they will automatically say, oh, yeah, that boat guy. Yeah, man, he, he's one of those weird guys that goes and dances around fires. Yeah, he's kind of strange, dude. You might want to think he, he might be something that he really isn't. You might want to go check him out just because he don't like the way you look, dude. I mean, seriously, there's so many people that are so – they're so fucking stupid and so degenerate that they have to uh, – they have to, like, project that onto you, that because you look more wholesome or, or you believe in yourself, that you must be – something's wrong with you. Because you don't follow the program, man, because you're not a sheep, you're a wolf. And they all might assume you must be the problem. And so always got to think that that guy down two, three rows down the road is probably going to be your worst nightmare because that guy's going to rat you out first opportunity he has. I'm like, all right, you know what? <laughs> There'll be a comeuppance on that guy given the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to, to do the, uh, what what do you call that when the, uh... oh, shit, what was it? They showed in Vikings where they flayed the guy's back. Oh, the uh, blood or no, the blood eagle. Blood eagle, yes. And just go, yeah, yeah, the blood eagle. I must need something special for that sob. I almost said blood hawk. <laughs> no, really, blood right? eagle. I haven't yeah. watched the show in a while, and I, w- I went to go watch it again. I realized I was missing season two, and so I'm like, well, until I go get season two again, I don't want to start from scratch until I have it all, because otherwise. I- I'll, I'll step away from it, and I'll miss everything. So, yeah, that's going to suck. All right, brother, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your experiences with us. And, no problem. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity to come on. 
Yeah, definitely. I'm always uh, available. Bring you on, always available. Bring to talk on to about a roundtable discussion later on to talk about various topics, uh, whether it's specifically on on, on uh, folk issue or just to get your take on certain things. Because uh, I think you're uh, you're very well spoken. You're intelligent. You're disciplined, and um, uh, I think you could definitely contribute to a larger group of people, brother. I appreciate that, and I, as I said, I appreciate the opportunity to come on. I'm always available to talk about our faith and help to further our people and better our people. Definitely. Everybody go to folkfm.us and check out Bolt Odinson's podcast. Talk to you soon. Skull. Skull. All right. So definitely check out folkfm.us. He's got a lot of good stuff on there. Um, There's other contributors as well. Again, the music itself is actually pretty neat to check out. Uh, we're going to close tonight with Heilung with uh, Kriz Galdar. And uh, it's still a fucking awesome song, man. But um, we're definitely going to uh, get back into more of the swing of things. And we're going to, um, I've come across a lot of other artists that are not as well known. And uh, we're going to start featuring more of their material on here as well. Obviously, the opening song of the night was uh, Riding the Rock by Grantavius Verun. And. Um, Again, I, I thought it was a pretty good piece, man. I thought it was pretty awesome. So it's definitely going to be my playlist, that's for sure. So here's Highline with Kriegsgalder.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.